the forge has gone quiet, the bellows blow no more. The forge has gone quiet, the smiths have gone home. Only fading embers remain, and my hearth grows cold. One kiss from you to rekindle it all. Episode 59. <laughs> totally 10 more, and then it's done. Um, uh, it's it's New Year's, so happy 2020. Yeah, uh, you're probably New watching Year's. this in like February, but it's New Year's for us currently. Mm-hmm. If you're watching this, you're watching this in the future. You're watching what is already 2020 is the future, though. You know, like when you're a kid, you're like, man, 2020 is like flying cars and. Hey. My card is only bad. one more year till like hindsight is twenty twenty. It's like a, a new level of joke. Barbara Walters twenty twenty. I, yeah. I was in the future when I was playing a game and everything said the year nineteen ninety X. Yeah, it was the future for me then. Twenty X X. Yeah. I remember watching Conan and he was actually like the year two thousand before That's right. the year two thousand. That's right. He had to change it and he still does the year two thousand. Yeah. It's still the year two thousand. <laughs> Hyphens will be replaced with dashes and nobody will notice. That's the. <laughs> the best one on the keyboard specifically. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, it, it's episode fifty-nine. We're fifty-nine games into Queen of Embers, um, and tonight uh, Tim Coron is out. He's doing stuff with the family because holidays. Yeah. And um, we're gonna play without him. This is the way we roll. We always play with it. If we have at least four players and one game master, we'll play. If more than two people are out, we. The standing rule with a few exceptions, obviously. Like, if it's going to be, you know, the K show, the next, you have to clearly, like, function, focusing on something with her, like, we would clearly skip the game. That would be awkward. Uh, it's just you. It's only you. We're okay, well, how about the Elisa show? The Elisa show. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't even have anything to do with your character. There is no one. There is only. That's right. <laughs> so, last we left off. All of the characters. I was just thinking the same thing. Like, right. it's her. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We had just. Arrived in Stowe. Yes. So you went upriver on the Madeline with the Last Wish, the boat, uh, uh, the smuggler's boat, and arrived in Stowe. So you kind of, it's been a week since we've played, so we should kind of go through the highlights of what happened in the last game session, the previous game session and the last game session. Yes. We went up the river to Stowe. about halfway there, our boat broke down and stopped chugging. We had to manually pull it the rest of the way. Um, that was delightful. Yeah. Went from being steam power. Yeah, it went from being a nice vacation beach episode yeah. to hard work, manual labor. <laughs> yeah. Um, we ended up in Stowe. Uh, there was the, uh, the was it the warden? I think it was um, uh, Warden Reynold de Grey. Was that the, the river warden? Who uh, lifted the, the blockade uh, river river block? Uh, I don't know the terminology for that one offhand. A lock. The levy. 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 Thank yeah. you. That's yeah. what I was trying to go for. Um, and let us in. Uh, and then that's when we decided. When, that's when we started finding out that there's bigger fish of fry in Stowe, with the hatred of the newly arrived Grawls Fetters. Right. Why? Why did? Why did you come to Stowe? Uh, we were seeking. I, I wrote this one down because I. Have, 
Anyone else remember. now? A clue. Big story, we're going all the way back. But more importantly, there was a person here that we're trying to find. And based me? off a burnt note yes. we found in the room where Rosalia Manfields was killed. Mm-hmm. Who is the person you're looking for? Templeton Murdoch. No. Emil Frosch. And they're supposed to be here, but we don't know their whereabouts. Um, we do know that there are some issues, though, with the Grahlstetters. Uh, they are not doing so well. There's been recent fires in the forest in the outlying area. There's another big issue. Um, we also know that there's uh, the Crimson Marauders are in the area as well, doing some nefariousness under the commander... Uh, Graf Radrich? So did I get that Red, right? Redrick, yeah. Redrick. 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 Yeah. Um, and so far we were kind of investigating to see what's all going on in the area. Uh, we talked with a kind of museum curator. I cannot think of his name. Do you remember him? Peter Gutler. Peter. Peter Gutler. Peter. Uh, but Pita. we talked with him. Uh, he said that you know, there's been a the big upset with the Pictish in the area, um, and for us to get a bit more information and kind of proceed with trying to track down uh, finding Emil, that we're going to kind of have to clear up some of the issue in, in the way. So we were heading to go speak with uh, Commander Graf to try and discuss some sort of way of working with the Pictish since the food stores for Stowe have been burned in the forest um, and we're kind of trying to find a medium point in the town to both make the Grawl Setters less hostile towards or the town less hostile towards the Grawl Setters by clearing up the food issue kind of return it to its standard semblance because the Pictish are trappers and fur traders in the area and are likely the solution to the shortage of food going on in Stowe and with the river freezing up and the lake frozen, uh, the chances of supplies coming in is just unlikely. So it's going to be a hard winter, and we're trying to alleviate the issue. And the first thing we need to do is also speak to Ohachi, um, who's the tradesman that works most with the town. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's about everything I remember. What do you know about Emil Frosch? What have you learned? Anyone? Maybe nothing yet. Honestly, I don't think we have much about him other than his name and that he was. Well, that would be why I can't remember. Yeah. Um, a bootlegger and the midfold apothecary that used to work for Gelman and Zox. We have that info. And then, yeah, his name was on the burnt paper that we found. So we we start the story or resume the story once again uh, in Stowe sometime after sometime the following morning. Uh, you stayed at the Content Cannoner that night, um, and uh, some of you stayed up, some of you drank, some of you slept. But the next morning you all refreshed to unhindered. This is a rural area, of course, so Elisa. Would you give me a ball check? That's what Thank you. 
So that morning, um, <clears throat> Hamish, while you're outside brushing your horse, mm-hmm. uh, you see Peter, Peter Guthrie, uh, the gentleman you spoke with the night before, the peddler, uh-huh. the one who was selling trinkets, Pictish trinkets. And that meteoric dagger? That's right. And he had several talismans that he also had was willing to, to, to part with. His little cat's eye stones. Yeah. One green, one blue, one red, I believe it was. Oh, good morning, he says. Good morning. <clears throat> it's a bit brisk out today. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's snow still dusting the ground. It's still early winter. Um, it's not so cold out to where you can see your breath, but it's cold enough. It's a uh, brisk. It's chilly. Yeah. Pretty brisk weather. You tell me more about my offer. He says. On that dagger or going out there and finding those folk? Well, the talismans of the dagger, of course. What sort of salesperson would I be if I wasn't following up with potential customers? <clears throat> You'd be the type of salesperson that was originally intending to give it to the, the leaders of that community. Hmm. Well, as I said before, I've been sizing up that relationship for quite some time, just haven't got very far. Ohachi certainly does make quite a bit of a trade here in Stowe, but since the fires, and the arrival of Crimson Martyrs, he trails you, off. You know what I think? I think Ohachi doesn't want you to, to, to get to know them because then he'd be ruining his uh, livelihood. You That's see? awfully presumptuous of you, he says. I'm a, I'm a very presumptuous man. Well, what they say about people who are presumptuous? And sometimes it pays off. Rarely. <laughs> no, it usually does for me. Sure it does. It does. Well, then I guess I'll be on my way. Thank you. All right, we'll keep on thinking about it. Maybe see you after breakfast or something. So, what's the plan at this point? Do we want to go speak with the commander? You know what? I think... I think he knows I'm right. Sure. Um, does it particularly matter? It does. We could get we could get him talking with the locals, um, if it weren't for Ohachi, uh, you know, playing the. Oh yes, I'll talk to him for you. Uh, oh no, they it isn't the right time. is right. It takes forever. They think in, they think in, in years of seasons. Yeah. So I think me and Banneker spent last night, uh, like carousing. Uh, did we get a feel for like what their thoughts were on the folk? Like, are they amenable, or are they just like? Eh. Are you talking about the people in Stowe? Yeah, people in Stowe. Well, the temperament you kind of got was that you know they did have they did enjoy pr- a pretty routine trade with the Pictish through Ohachi. They didn't see the others, yeah. but they know they wander the wood, but they don't they don't go out that far. They said mostly um, their food stores, of course, are on the periphery of Stowe. You know, old old man Muller. And yeah. his family were kind of near those food where the fires started. Right, the granary. He said since the fires about two, three, about three weeks ago, there none of the pictures have come. No, no, no sightings in the forest. No Ohachi, nothing. Yeah. And the Crimson Martyrs came and reputedly captured some some Pictish scouts in the woods. Because huh. didn't we? Like the feeling that I got was that like some lord called them in and is having them like clear the forest of the folk. Is that right, or am I wrong on that? Uh, your intuition—it's—it's—it's it's, it's kind of correct. I mean, okay. that's the—that's the read you got from one person. 
Right. The, rea- the truth of that story is yet to be told. Right. But uh, but it was inferred that some lord in Redlark, somewhere north and west of here, they sent uh, the Crimson Martyrs to inquire about not only the fires, but also uh, the Pictish. The Pictish have been uh, considered to be a barbarian wild folk for the most part to the Alds. In fact, have been right. the Pictish that do travel outside the forest are incredibly aggressive. They do not make trade with people at all. Stowe is a rare exception, apparently. Hmm. Perhaps we could investigate before seeing the commander. If we speak to this old man Miller ahead of time, perhaps we might be able to find more information on what started the fires and what's going on in the outlying area. Yeah, a good idea. Well, didn't he say, Peter? Not necessarily that he's the most trustworthy source of information, but Peter said that they were held up in their granary. If they're held up, that means someone is most likely doing so, right? Well, the granary burned down. Yeah. Not completely. They were held up in their house at the granary, I should say. At least yeah. that's what Peter said. Yeah, that's right. But he may have seen whoever sought to the fire. Maybe we should go and check out the granary. Yes. I'm well, fine with that. Just as a note, it could be that the threat that is holding them in said place could be the Crimson. Don't you think? Right. That's true. I didn't fake it, but now I did. Now now that you said it, I fought it. Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm just... We should know what we walk to. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that they may not be the people that we necessarily want to run into. No, we don't. But, uh, so we maybe a scouting mission might be in order instead of all of us going there just to try to talk to this person. <clears throat> what does this all have to do with the male frosh? Is this getting us closer to him? You know, I, I don't know. But what I do know is we can't really move on from here, you know? Well, we could. Why is that? Well, if we move on from here, then we won't find out nothing about Emil Frosch. And I imagine that whoever knows about Emil Frosch is going to be awfully tight, playing them cards to their chest, as they say. And, uh... How do you figure that? Well... I haven't really told us too much. They, well, only, they only told us in a small talk that gets around the town. There's a lot of people awfully guarded with a lot of information here. Well, he wasn't that. What was he again? Huh? Back in Durindal? Oh, he's a bootlegger. Bootlegger? Yes. So, if we ask. He's an apothecary. Apothecary? For um, Emil. Or for uh, Zorks. He used to work for the. It might be best not to ask for the man directly, but for an apothecary and see if you can find him that way. Potentially. Last thing you want to do is tip off someone you're looking for. Aye, but uh, another thing that you can do is if you have the town's favor, they're gonna they're gonna think you're trustworthy, and they're gonna be more likely to talk to you. I feel like this is going around in kind of a roundabout way. Okay. Why, you why, why do don't it? we take it directly? Ask people straight up. You know, Emil Frosch. What could have hurt? Okay, that's all. You well. see, if we's investigating that Emil Frosch has something to do with this murder and he is is wind that there's people looking for him 
he may very well just go to ground. It may take longer to find him. I that's think a, that's a very astute saying you've got there. Yeah. Well, there's also the fact that we would like to help your fellow countrymen. I thought, and to help them, we need to somehow release some of the resources that have been held back from the town. Yeah, I get that. I just, you know, well, I don't want to get with... too bogged down with everything. So yeah. Some of this stuff seems kind of tangential to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, it's a good point and well made. But, uh, I would, I would think that a little discretion when it comes to the meal force would, would be good first. It's good to, it's good to establish a rapport with people nice. before you, before you go asking for people who's, who's possibly part of a murdering scheme. Yes. Well, dear one, I'm a little bit out of my element here. I, I don't, I take things directly, you know that. You know, and I did too, until I realized that flashing this as I flash the, uh, the badge means nothing to most people. We are we are empowered by the king. We are the king's men, yet everyone seems to think that that means shite. Well, alright, so coming down to this, to do the direct route, as you would state, how about part of us go to the granary, see what's the hold up there, right? To initially start the contact that would get us potentially the resources to help out this town, which would be a direct route. And then the others possibly stay back here and ask about a apothecary or... Yes, I think Harper's method there of simply looking for an apothecary might lead us to Frosh without actually tipping our hand. Yeah. I think that uh, I should not go on this scouting mission. Well, a simple stroll doesn't hurt anything. You needn't be quiet for that. I haven't gone on. I haven't been riding with Matthew in quite a while. You know... I would agree with you. That's our road. <laughs> you, you wouldn't need to be quiet if you didn't look like you was looking for a fight. No Fair offense, enough. but your armor kind of states that, so yeah. Yeah, armor does, but the weapons do too. Weapons even more so. And right. I don't see a reason to take mine off. Well, how about Harper, as he says, takes Matthew out for a, for a bit of a ride, and I can accompany him being a little bit better in dress. Oh, you're a ranger? No, but if it comes to talking to people... Oh, I see what you... Okay. Papa might need some assistance. He did not seem very forthcoming when we were having a, a little spat with the All right. woman back in Amaran's gate. Who wants to go ranging and who wants to be talk trying to find an apothecary? I mean, I'll go for a ride. That means one more can go with. I'll go with you. So we're having you two go, and you two stay behind here with me. Is that how we're doing it? Uh, I seem the type that might be looking for an apothecary, so I suppose it makes sense. To be clear, you wanting to split up? Yeah. Sounds like. Yes. Let's split, split the, the party. party. Let's split the party. <laughs> it never ends bad. You can't. I didn't get it shot. Doesn't always, it doesn't, the GM himself couldn't now. strike us down. <laughs> so, who is staying in Stowe? Raise your hand. I guess I, I, get, I think oh, those two are good enough. 
Well, as you were in, so just to be clear, that means uh, Harper and Warren are going to go where? To the greenery. As a reconnaissance mission. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the two of you ride off on horseback out toward the granary and you realize you don't know where it's at. Right. No, I mean, you I have think no idea where anything is, in fact. Yeah. I mean, like. You'd only just arrived. Yeah, Harper was more or less just going to go on a ride. He's not really going to actually look for anything. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. they just go, like, we couldn't find it, boss. Um, and so. Are I mean, gonna, we, like, unless we, like, somehow stumble upon it, but. Uh, I mean, we could always ask. We could. We could ask around if we see. I mean, I guess we road. could like stop by and like, hey, there's a farmer. We could ask, mm -hmm. but like, Harper really just wants to like see if he can put Pat Matthew through the paces because mm -hmm. he hasn't rode him in like months. Mm -hmm. So exercising. Yeah. Okay. It's more or less that's what Harper wants to do, and if we happen to find these guys, okay. So Harper and Warren will will kind of ride off outside of Stowe uh, into the forest, leaving the remainder. of Instant. All right. They're gone. So we need ourselves an apothecary. So, well, I can. I shall ask the innkeeper. He seemed an agreeable fellow when he denied food to a bunch of hungry people. Yes. Dirk. His name was Dirk. Sure. Uh, I will. Trying to help with relations. You simply are in the main room already at the at the contained canner. Yeah. Dirk is there a bit sleepy-eyed. Good morning. I trust you had something fine to break your fast. Eggs in a trencher. His mouth is a wreck of teeth. He looks like uh, John Oliver. So, sorry. Dark hair, small kind of wrinkled nose, a bit mousy looking. Say, so what's the morning news? The morning news... Fresh eggs, fresh butter, fresh bacon. That's the news. How do you think the weather will fare today? Well, snow it is. <clears throat> well, if it wasn't for the snow, we wouldn't have had half the forest would have burned out all around us. Well, one thing with the cold, I, I always get a bit of stiffness in, in the old elbow. From, uh, Your elbow. Yeah, the joints seem to stiffen up. Joints! Yes. Do you know if there's an apothecary in town? I might be able to visit for some uh, ointments or such. Oh, I do indeed. Emil Frosch. As a matter of fact, he makes quite a bit of the liquor we have on the shelves here. Oh, well, that sounds like it should do nicely. Uh, where, where would he be? Ah, not far from here, just on the main road. The place is just right down that way. As he kind of takes around the steps of this two-story half-timbered building. He kind of points the door at the town, this kind of snow, muddy rut, and you can see that building right there. You can see, as you look down the row of houses, you can see all their chimneys are curling with smoke, save for the apothecaries. Out of curiosity, uh, I know Stowe is not the largest place, but what other kind of merchants do you have? I, I know, obviously, you have uh, Mr. Uh, Gutman, but are there any others? Merchants. Yeah. Lots of trade here in Stowe when it's the right season. Obviously, Roy is uh, remedies just around the way. She's a uh, woodwise, if you will. Uh, we got a baker down the way. Uh, two brothers. And uh, Peter's Pictish Curios, although I wouldn't necessarily call him a merchant of a type. I'm also of a queer fellow who, but to be fair, he's the only person who really talks to Ohachi here. 
Pictish fellow. Oh, so you know Ohachi. He's here. Oh, Ohachi isn't here. No, no, no. He walks direct through Peter. Oh. Peter's the one who broke us on our behalf. He speaks their language, if you want to call it a language. Oh. But you've met Ohachi then, or seen well, him? Ohachi does not come into the town. Oh. Oh, they meet outside of town. That's right. Oh. Are the rules against Ohachi coming to town, or does he just not prefer it? Yeah, the pictures are cagey people. I mean, frankly, we're lucky they didn't just pepper us with arrows when they discovered our settlement. Mm. They've been here for a few years, after all. So you've had run-ins with them or seen them before? Well, people in the West. The Winelands, of course, know much about their Pictish. A visceral, sanguine tribe of people. But, but these have not bothered to meet the city's waters, then? Ah, most Pictish would be sadistic and bloodthirsty, but these... Folk, well, it seems that they, uh, I suppose they found an, we had an uneasy truce, I suppose, here. Since oh. the last cataclysm, things have changed. Hmm. So don't much, a, don't much like their people. Hmm. Oh. Strange. Well, pleasant enough about all that, but I want to see an apothecary about my elbow. Yes. Yes. Master Frost, just right down the road. Does, Thank he, you. does he like it cold? Who? You see them uh, smokestacks there, huh? And chimneys. Well, it's cold enough for water to freeze into ice. I don't think anybody likes it cold. Well, his chimney ain't lit. So, hey, I don't see why Master Frosh wouldn't keep his fires lit. Yeah, Maybe he's out for a morning stroll. Right, so let's... Uh, Conserving. Maybe. <clears throat> let's see if, uh... Let's see if anyone's out Thank you, Dick. And she will uh, go ahead and drop a couple penny. Oh! It's very kind of you, mm. mistress. See, Perhaps uh, I'll see you all tonight. Yes, right? uh, tonight I, I would request yet another bath, if possible. Of course! She'll make certain when you arrive we'll have it already heated and ready. You'll be back by sundown. One would hope. Hmm. No. I'll let you know. Fine, fine. So you walk your way down through the middle of the road. At this point, Warren and Harper are kind of riding Matthew mm -hmm. out into the wood. And you can see kind of along, like, the the this village is kind of kept along the side of the river between this very thick evergreen forest. But in places, kind of along the edges of the settlement, you can see areas that have been scorched and burned. Mm -hmm. um, and you see a few farmsteads kind of throughout the hillside here and there. Um, you see several corpses of lands that have been burnt up. Hmm. Um, but you've, you don't really dare go further in unless you wish to do so. That would keep, keep you out of uh, eyesight of snow. That would take you deeper into the forest. But you can see kind of the edges of where the forest, where the fire extended to. Okay. You can see this giant ditch that was dug um, that clearly stopped the fire from going any further into Stowe. Okay. Okay, so they have a ditch built. Okay. I reckon we can head up the hill to one of them farms. And you can ask, <clears throat> ask them where the granary is. Well, if it burnt this way, I assume it's that way. But I don't know. You can assume away, you can just ask. I mean, <laughs> yeah. 
Is there, there's, is there much of a road? Because, I mean, you don't... Uh, there's not a stone cobbled road by right. any means, but there's certainly a horse trail and right. wagon trails throughout here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I wasn't sure if Stowe was mostly just, like, primarily river traffic or if there was any land. Uh, it's mostly river traffic, although there, there is a road out okay. of here through the wood to the west. Okay. Not to the east across the river, though. Right. So, I mean, yeah, we basically... I mean, the way I figure it is we kind of stick to the country path side, just the road, and we don't want to venture too far off it, unless we get lost. But it's two or three minutes up the road, isn't it? How, how far do you reckon? I don't know. How far does it look? From what? What do you mean? From like the road to the, the farms up on the hill or whatever. A mile of dust. Yeah. It's kind of been, there's farms here and there, betwixt trees. There's it's kind of stony dry and stony farmland spreads all throughout Stowe with farmhouses and barns littering the landscape and they just kind of start out there so they have land for their sheep to graze and whatnot. not it too far out of way I figured we as well take it see if we can find someone yeah alright let's do that then so you you kind of ride up through the hills and kind of passing through what you would you would of course assume is like tr pretty traditional dry stony aridane uh, farmland. Mm -hmm. uh, really, the particularly toward the forest and, and near the river where the axe water is, it's a lot of dry limestone uh, farmlands, which is amazing for grazing. If you go further west into the winelands, that's when you find like lush, like fields of grain and true farmers dwell like mm -hmm. seventy hundred miles west, but. Here, it's mostly just um, farmhouses, barns. Um, flanking the farms, however, you're, as you kind of get further into the hills, uh, the forest grows dark and imposing. It looks almost outright nightmarish uh, with burnt trunks and stumps. Mm -hmm. Soot and black dirt and, and soot and dirt black in the forest beds. A very kind of sad and frightening looking sight. And you realize you're out of sight of stone now. Well, it's a shame. Yep. Yeah, it's also creepy looking. So we cut back now to Stowe as you're making your way toward the apothecary's evil frosh. And it's uh, a small stony cottage, a little one story affair with a thick thatched in mud roof. You can see that there's firewood that's been chopped nearby that's covered in snow um, that has not been depleted yet. You can see an old mule that's still actually tied up to a hitching post. It has chewed up all the grass around it as far as its leash will let it go. And you can see muddy prints all throughout here. Some, and you can see a lot of plant growth um, along these kind of standing wooden frames where they would, where he would probably grow whatever he needs to grow what are the reagents he need the air is a bit acidic around here and you can see these kind of like small green puddles here and there where clearly like whatever remnants of his alchemical practices have been laid into the surrounding area but um, you can see that the peddler's store has an open sign on the window Lacking a fire, it still seems to be available. Yeah. 
before we enter, what are we going to say to him? Personally, I'll be surprised if we find him. But if we do? We go in, we purchase something, we come back out. That's it. So this is a reconnaissance as well. Aye. Fair enough. I approach and try to let myself into the shop. Door opens with these, and as you step inside, there's this kind of rattling sound above your head as these bells ring, kind of tinkle above your head as you open the door. Inside, it's quiet. The candles have burnt down uh, to their stump, so there's no light in here until you go to the nearby window and open the, open the curtains. And as you look around inside, it's very quiet and very empty. Um, you can see what would you would assume would be very typical Apatha carry type paraphernalia, uh, including um, all manner of uh, labeled bottles and prices and a number of things that he clearly sells out of here, including a number of uh, anything you find in Materia Medica. Uh, <clears throat> but um, a, true, a typical apothecary shop. Are there brightly painted tobacco pipes? No. Um, Hello. You come, you ask, and there's no response for anyone in the back. You come to the bell, ding, 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 ding. Nobody comes to approach. It's very cold in here. The he's hearth not, is not burning. He's not been here for a while. Is she's mm. gonna step over to the hearth and see if like there's any heat whatsoever coming from it or nope. anything. Nope. Gray, cold ash. This has not been lit in probably days, at least today. Mm. I'm not much of one myself, but either of you have any tracking skills, investigative skills. Well, of course, investigation. Uh, yes. We're seeing if, seeing what went wrong. I mean, I can poke around a little bit, right. politely, but uh, I, I look around. Is there a, uh, like a back room or? There anything? is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna poke around the shop first, see if I can find any denoting clues of where he may have gone. Okay. I'm gonna step to the back room. Okay. As you're kind of poking around in the front, like politely, like a customer may, mm-hmm. uh, but generally concerned for where Emil Frosch may be, uh, at this point, Elisa just goes to the back door. Yeah, as you go in the back door, you can see his. There's his personal. There's his bed. There are his personal things. It's a, a separate antechamber, and something immediately catches your eye. You realize that uh, kind of stuffed in a in a, an open closet back there are these. Bottles that are labeled Madame Geneva. Uh, that is in which is, you know, the, the gin craze that has taken the West. Um, illegal booze for its dangerous properties. But it kind of has like one of those, like, those really kind of fanciful uh, stamped uh, bottles, like it's Madame like Geneva. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all empty. But it's not the bottles that attracts you because you realize that there are several boxes back here that are postmarked. They're postmarked Coventry Palanquin, bound for Eustace Adelard, Founder Square, to rental. Do I see any kind of signs of a struggle or anything along those lines here? No, not at all. Up front, uh, where you're at, Eugene, you see that... uh, not only are um, 
not only uh, are uh, nothing's been disturbed here, but go ahead and make a scrutinized test. This test will be secret for you. Okay. I have a 56% chance then, and I got a 47. Nice. Uh, I will... We'll keep that. Okay. What is your degrees of success? Um, Fusions plus uh, perception bonus. Oh, my perception bonus? Or tens plus. Gotcha. Uh, seven degrees. Seven. Okay. Well, you do see by the front door that there are a number of pa- there are, there are a pair of shoes he, that you would guess usage would wear around town during the summer. Mm-hmm. His boots are gone already, as is his walking stick, and the wardrobe is empty. His heavy coat is gone. Hmm. Right, I'm going to point that out to um, Chewing over there and just comment out loud. Uh, he was clearly expecting to be out in the cold. His heavier boots are gone, cloak gone, stick gone. So he went out and he hadn't come back yet. Yes. It's, I, I would say, unlikely random happenstance, but there's a chance maybe wild animal could have taken him. Food shortages, wolves, some bears late for the winter in the hibernation. Uh, There are a number of mundane possibilities, but I suspect as he may be involved in nefarious plots, more than likely a person may have accosted him. Well, drawing a lot of conclusions from boots being missing. His bed is perfectly made. Nothing's been really removed from the back room, save for his heavy pack. And you can see he has a familiar pl- familiar place in the back in his other wardrobe where you discover Elisa. So the heavy pack is missing. Here's the way I see it. You see some prepared foodstuffs that he left the remnants behind. He packed up food. He planned to travel. Obviously. And seems strange, though, that he would leave behind these. And she's going to kind of poke around the boxes a little bit. Just from what you found, he wasn't planning on being gone too long. Now what she says, he packed up food, so either he was actually not planning on being gone too long and making it look like he wasn't planning on being gone too long because we've got an open sign. We've got a mule kept out front that's tied up. And it's had enough time to eat all the grass around it. And we've got food packed up in the back. That's the only thing that says that he's planning on being gone for a long time. I would suspect that he had planned to be gone for quite some time, and perhaps something changed his mind to leave immediately, without preparation. Grabbed what he had on hand and simply hustled out the door. There's preparation that happened. No, maybe he was planning on taking a trip and somebody else made him decide to leave without having a chance to finish those preparations. Uh, And and that's that's deeper assumptions, which could be true, but we see evidence of both. True. That he only planned on being gone quickly and he planned on being gone long, so it could have been taken and whoever took him made it look like he just went out for a stroll and didn't come back. I mean, it, it could have been many things, but it is not definitively one or the other. 
Well, since it seems he keeps um, unsavory items back in this closet, Lisa's gonna start also looking through to see if he might, oh, I don't know, have some laudanum. Hmm. Or other illegal substances? Or other things. Well, there'd be no laudanum to be found in the back, but surely within the stores in the front there are. Hell yeah. He has all manner of uh, materia medica you would find in the book. No black market poisons that you see. Cash till has is locked. The prices are all posted, including where the laudanum would sit on shelves. Uh, she is gonna like try to open up one of the. Is it like completely sealed? The, oh, the yeah. boxes are no, no, no. My apologies. The boxes are not sealed. No, they're just <laughs> open boxes. They have they've been stamped, but nothing's been placed inside of them yet. They're planned, straw, but that's it. He planned to send something to Eustace. Huh? Eustace. Um, yes. The prophet's mouthpiece. He planned to send something to him. There's send postage here. Send, oh, just postage. Yeah, yeah there's no, nothing. Are these like larger crates or like smaller? Like, looks like could fit a few potion bottles or are we talking about? You could probably fit about um, nine bottles of Madame Genova inside of them. Not entirely sure. I mean, they're larger than just a small parcel. So we've got empty bottles, and we've got crates still here. Yes. I mean, it could have been that he was going to pretend to send that kind of, you know, liquor to Eustace. I don't know. But uh, either way, he obviously has some kind of contact still with Eustace, which he worked for Geldman and Zox. But he talks to the prophet's man. Strange. It is. You turn back out into the woods where you've kind of happened upon the hellish, uh, nightmarish uh, firescape of uh, the edge of the wood, and it looks really bad. If it, for the, if it weren't for the fact that it snowed in the past week, as you understand it, the fire would have spread even more violently through the forest. The whole forest has been burnt to cinders. This massive hillside, as far as the eye can see, it's just tree stumps and saplings bare of leaves and branches. The air is still is still um, gray with soot as the wind whips through here. Well, don't look good. It's a good thing they built that or dug that ditch. Yep. Otherwise, yeah, that, that, the town would be gone. Yeah, sure would. So, uh, can we keep on pressing on? Yeah. All right. Yes, we'll just take it slow. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Okay. <coughs> you begin to press further into um, the forest. Nice. And... Ooh. Come further into the wood, you can hear this strange sound of animals that are clearly still alive in the forest that you wouldn't expect to hear. Um, and then you hear this low guttural roar and crashing coming, like kind of echoing through the dell. Yeah, probably hold back on Matthew to get him yeah. to stop. Yeah, the horse, this Matthew immediately bucks up rearing on two legs and begins backing down the hill. 
I recognize what the roars kind of, what kind of animal that made the roar? Uh, you may roll a handle animal test. This test will be uh, hard. Okay. Uh, it'll be a 26% chance to succeed. I did not succeed. No domesticated animal that you know. Wild animal out there. How yeah. close does it sound? You're not really sure. You just hear the faint, you hear the echoes of it through the hills. So it's far-ish away, not like right in the vicinity. I'm wondering how fast a fire's got to burn to get to animals like this. <laughs> Usually they're pretty smart about these things and run the other far away as they can, as fast as they can. Yeah. Your eyes look toward the trees of those that are still standing, kind of smoldering toothpicks in the sky. And there are no birds to be seen, no insects to be heard, no small vermin running about the forest. I mean, it's been burnt out. Hmm. Take a big No sound of wild in. dogs, nothing. I like breathe in. I'm going to see if I can smell anything like anything like gunpowder or anything like an accelerant that I would know or anything like that that might have like helped speed this thing along. Just smells like soot. Okay. This smells like of soot and, and fire. Okay. The air, as you can see, what you thought at first were snowflakes are just large gray bits of ash still lingering in the air as the wind comes through the, the burnt hillsides. You can see several small stony farms that have been burnt down mm -hmm. to the ground, just the husks of their the stone outsides remaining. Mm -hmm. Burnt down barns, uh, remnants of fences. You can see mile marker stone markers that separate different parts of the farmlands. You see no grazing animals at all, but you do see several burnt carcasses. Right. You want to take a look at one of those carcasses? Pretty much to see. All I right. Figure, I figure they took out all these farms, and this is all we're going to find. Yeah. Yeah. So Suppose we better head back to the road. I think we head back because I don't want to deal with no animals. Not this kind of right pissed off state. Mm -hmm. It's a good way to get hurt. Matthew gives a whinny as he kind of, you kind of canter yeah. backwards and turn him about and you begin riding back towards Stowe. Yeah. And you leave the ashen hellscape behind until you come back to the uh, snowbound hills of, uh, of Stowe, of the, of, the, of the town itself, surrounded by the tall green, lingering, evergreen trees, softly moving in the wind. The sky is gray and overcast. <sighs> you are, of course, back at, uh, back to, uh, you, sorry, back to Emil Frosch's shop. You've been through uh, his uh, personal belongings, which will earn you two corruption. <laughs> um, and you have politely looked through the front part of the shop for signs of uh, whether or not he's been absconded, but you need no corruption for that. Your your intent was pure. <laughs> for now. But, uh, for now. <laughs> I was saying, it's not because I went back there first. I was thinking I was doing something, but I mean, I did that last session. <laughs> but yeah, it, it other, and otherwise, his shop has been unmolested. Bottles of... Um, Rot gut and tincture and laudanum and smelling salts and all manner of other poultices and ointments and potions and elixirs, if you will, uh, for everything ranging from abortifacients to teaching for treating rheumatism, a sniffly nose, uh, the equivalent of aspirin, and even on the far end, true laudanum. 
um, is available for sale in this shop along this one wall that has almost like a, if you can imagine what an apothecary shop would look like with the small drawers, they're all open and they have the vials exposed there. I mean, there's hundreds and thousands of gold crowns worth of medicine to be found here. You would guess, judging by the importance of somebody like this in a small town like Stowe, that he's probably a well-respected figure. Is there, did, coming through the place, have we found like a shop key or anything? Uh, any way of locking the building after we leave? No, but to be to be fair, in a place small and as intimate as you've learned, because you know that the people have only been here for a few years, they came here after the place was a, was literally abandoned during the last cataclysm. All the people here are new. That's why you don't see any youngish children, only babies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, really young babies, like less than two, three years old. Or toddlers, I should say. You don't find anybody of you know, teenagers or older. It's just older people with young wives and young children. Um, you would guess a place like this, everyone knows everyone well enough to where they probably wouldn't lock up their shop during the day. They wouldn't need to. All right. Um, I, I will poke my head into the back room and glance about to see if I, I notice any details that jump out. Uh, after Elise has gone through anything and you like think she may have overlooked uh, she's, but I don't want to actively like root through his no she's she's giving it a good kind of scrub down okay she's uh she has uh thoroughly searched that room in the dungeons so are there <laughs> are there any Check buildings out back like sheds or anything there is a small shed yes but it's but as you kind of walk around the back of the building look outside you realize it's nothing more than a outhouse okay but I, but it flushes Unfortunately, the pipes are frozen. Oh. You can see a nearby, you can see a nearby water, a nearby uh, water pump, but flush water through it, but it's frozen. It's frozen from the spigot. While Terwin and Eugene are looking around, uh, Elise is going to step up and she's going to grab a laudanum, okay. just that one, while they're not paying attention, and then two tincture, and she will go ahead and drop the gold coins like into the the appropriate number cash of... box. Yes. Okay. The actual appropriate. So it's uh, base it off of... Um, yeah, I did six, because four for the lot and two for the two tincture. Yeah, keep in mind that anything here in Gold Crowns is twice the normal price because of this because of this a town. Oh, is it? Okay. Yep. So, yeah, she'll go ahead and draw. She's actually not going to cheapen him for it, then. So 12. You open the till. Tink, tink. Shing! It comes out, of course, when you twist the thing and you hear a rattling in the back uh, of this. It's impossible to hide that and you drop the coins and you yeah, She's not the, trying to hide that yeah. part. Just the laudanum grab. She's not... You're uh, taking from the till. No, I was paying. Oh. She wanted to look. Uh, I... No, I don't know. I thought we might use some tincture. Seems we've used quite a bit recently. Uh, Could be useful. Nice. Awful kind of you to watch out for us. Course. I'm gonna proceed to head back out the front. They should see us leaving before anybody is observing. And before I exit the shop, I'm gonna actively flip his sign around since there's nobody here. Okay. Sorry, gone. Be back soon. A little exclamation point with a hand waving by. You, uh. <laughs> you, uh, as you step outside, you can see kind of breaking through the winter mist. You can see Matthew, this massive, spotted white and gray storm horse, with uh, with Harper and um, 
and Warren on the back to come to a stop with mud and snow spattering up. Their cheeks are flush red from a ride. Your fingertips are a little cold, but Matthew you got his exercise. Is that a, is that a brisk ride? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it don't look good out there, boss. It's real bad. Anybody don't know? Well, they're able to dig a ditch to stop the fire from spreading, but it spread fast. And, well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of burnt down farms, a lot of burnt down barns and such. Heck, there were some livestock that got caught in the fire. There was livestock that got caught in the fire. Yeah, yes. Here, I mean, we got to the, uh, a little bit into the forest part. Um, I mean, it was right, right burnt to a crisp. And you could, you could hear animals in there. And we heard one big, some, something roar, something, something big. big in there. In, right. That's what I thought. Didn't set right with me either. I, we, I figured we may as well turn around right. before, before something bad happened. So, these animals that you saw that were burned, they out in an open field. With it, was they in pens? It was mostly grazing land. They were, yeah, they were in the uh, out in the field. Okay. The, or the, it was in the forest, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. There were definitely animals in the forest that were sound like we didn't really investigate too much. So, while fires can spread quickly, I, I have a hard time uh, with animals being caught up in it. Unless it wasn't just one fire. As you recount the tale, you tell him that literally as far as the eye could see, the forest was burned. It wasn't spotty. It was the entire forest was burnt. Right. But you're thinking maybe you couldn't someone... even see. You couldn't even see the tree. You couldn't see the trees through the ash and the smoke. It looked like you stepped into the, into the hellish, literally a hellish right. hellscape. I don't know. I mean, I was wondering if there was some sort of accelerant or something used, but I didn't smell no gunpowder or anything like that. <laughs> Just smelled like, well, ash. Yeah. Uh, I, I, what got me is there's something there's something growling out there and, and, and who knows where. But in the middle does, in the middle of the fire. It doesn't make right. sense, you know, there's no reason for an animal to be in a burnout forest. They they'd move on. Aye. Hmm. So there's a number of things that could be this but I think we need to know more before we start spouting off a whole bunch of possibilities because we kind of have the same thing. Something doesn't make sense. Yes. Through every single thing inside this building. This is Emil Frost's uh, apothecary, by the way. And uh, right. so every single thing about this building, you see here, yeah, you see this mule. Right. It's eating all the grass. And uh, it's been tied up for some time. Huh. Warren walks over to the mule and ties it and takes it over to have a, a little bit of breakfast. And it's a different part of the yard. Your, your black goat begins braying and it begins braying back. <laughs> it's nibbling at your hands, expecting food to be there. Clearly this, this, uh, this donkey has been nearly starved as you take it to graze amid the grass and the snow. Poor beast. 
So it's been there for a while. Well, yeah. Oh, oh, rooms are stick, starting to stick out. You can see where the rope is worn away on the hitching post, where it's been trying to pull away. Well, no, obviously the grass is missing from there, but that could happen in a matter of you know, days, because this has been longer, is what I was saying. Well, that's why I would ask Warren. He's got yeah. a goat. He knows more about animals than the rest of us. Could you estimate how long it'd take to get to this uh, thing? Think about that for a minute. <laughs> Do I have any idea? Been here long enough to be starving. Yeah, it's now look at a meat. You see him? No. That's that's this is this is the uh, the appetite of an animal hadn't eaten in a few days. Hmm. Right. So he's been going a while. The sign said open. His boots, his walking stick, and his cloak was taken. Nothing else. His traveling pack. Well, yeah, traveling back too. And he took rations with him. So, it seems like he left during the day. It seems like. And he had planned to go, but maybe that plan was quick. I don't know. Well, didn't the old uh, innkeeper mention that he could get most of his alcohol? This here feller? Yes. You didn't see a still in there, did you? No. Well, I reckon uh, he's got a still out there in the woods, or had one, somewheres. Probably went to a still to get, you know, get his alcohol and come back. That's true. He may could've, have been caught in a forest fire. Could have, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps, you know, just conjecture. Could Anything could have happened. Could have mess with the still and it blew up. Who knows? We don't we don't know enough. The still blew up and started the forest fire? Is that something you're thinking? <laughs> I ain't gonna I ain't gonna try to you know, postulate and whatnot. There's there ain't no way to figure that out. What we know. Well we need to find out more. Well, I guess the next part would be to see when the last person saw him. Aye. And then the other thing that we can do is we can investigate that sound. Well, the way I figure it, he went somewhere. It was either west along the road or somewhere along the river. If it was along the river, the warden wouldn't know about that. Right, something else that you didn't know. So, he was receiving shipments of, uh, of Madame Geneva. Not receiving. Shipping. Shipping. Oh. He was shipping out Madame Devina. Geneva. Hmm. Well, he's a bootlegger. Yeah. That sort of thing's pretty pro- uh, profitable, I reckon. Right. And, uh, old bottles empty. And, uh, it's marked for Coventry Palanquin. Does this place even have a Coventry Palanquin? On the river, perhaps. Well, either way, it was going to Eustace. Huh. Which was the right hand of the prophet and Mm -hmm. also potentially a double agent with the mysterious group, right? Yes. So at this point, we know something about what was going on here. But we could possibly find out more. 
thought we could just move on, but I think there's still something here. Alright, so what was the clue that told us to come here to find this guy? What did it say again? Talked about him being an apothecary and it stayed stout. Um, it was with the esoterical Drendel things, but I don't think they were connected. It's two different pages. But that's all we had. Uh, I mean, and she's going to pull the burnt out paper just to look at it again. Yeah, it says something about, um, it says, uh, Eel Frosh. From Stowe, send a Durendal. Right. This could just be an order from Eustace. All I know. I, I mean, how the barrister got it, I, I don't know. But you didn't find like a log or anything. No. Most right. things were burnt. I reckon right. I can so go ahead. Then, so if it's saying send to you, send a Durendal. It is possible that Eustace has coordinated this matter. It is possible because those papers was found in the sign-in room. Yes. Right? And they was burned because that was the evidence. I'm not saying he done it. Well, so. My question is, then you think, you think the man in the mask, the, the tall fellow that ended up dead in the garden, you think he's the one that threw those papers in there? Or do you think it was the barrister? It, it could be either. But I'm just saying that Eustace is a potential suspect of a person who hired the assassin. It's a little possible. Do we know if Jonah stopped here on his way too? Shep is just as moored outside the lock. Well, did he, he stop at Stowe? Did, did we stop at Stowe on the way in? To... Stop at Stowe, you're in Stowe. Well, but no, not, no, no. not when now, like when Jonah. we were coming down, Jonah and I. You passed through the lock, yes. You passed through, but we didn't stay here. No. Passed through, didn't stay. Alright. First, I've actually set foot in the town. Well, that, that's your answer there. Well, I think that it's worth chasing down a meal if he's still alive somehow. Fine. I mean, we can ask around, but, you know, we may have to come to terms with the fact that this may be a dead end. Well, it could be. If he was setting out for travel in the area, he didn't go by the river, we can find that out through the warden. Otherwise, he may have gone over land, which means if we continue our pursuing route of speaking with the Pictish, they may have seen him and be able to tell us more information where he's gone. You look toward the donkey, Warren, and it doesn't quite size up because the doll, you realize the donkey has, um, has um, wear marks on its belly and its sides and its mouth where it's been bitten, bridled, and saddled before. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this year donkey... It, he would have been riding it if he was going too far, and if he was if he was uh, fixing to bring anything back of, of any size, say several gallons of gin, he'd bring the donkey too. Aye, and he would have he would have marked his shop closed. Uh, yeah. So either he left hastily with the intent that maybe returning, or 
somebody made him leave and he didn't get a chance to close up his shop. Aye. So he's either planning on returning and never coming back. It's a lot of money to not come back to. Aye. I mean, if you kidnapped, then they plan and you never come back. Yes. Well, I'm stating, I don't think he skipped town. You can see there's a full account of uh, all of the cash and transactions over this last month sitting in a transaction book beside the till. Hmm. Oh yeah, it looked like there was a lot of money in the till. It drops in. Can I, That's right. can I go inside and look through the most recent pages of that transaction book? See if there's any transactions that stand out or something weird? Or did I already do that when I was looking? You had not, no. It's just something you just recognize. As you look toward the till, you never thought to do that. You kind of come behind the desk uh, where uh, Emil would be. And you can see the till. It literally is a um, it's literally a it's a number of keys that would bring up numbers on a little slide deck thing along the top. Um, and then you would drop the coinage inside. You would twist a handle and then a requisite number of coins if they were owed would spit out toward the customer. A rather complex looking machine. Uh, you, can, you can only imagine it kind of evokes the same sentiment that a difference engine was but on a much smaller and more granular level as opposed to the massive complexities, the calculations that the difference engine would calculate that you saw in the uh, back in Durindle. Yeah. So but this thing is small and you realize as you kind of flip through the ledger there is a there was uh, a, a there was a transaction that was made for uh, for a man named Harold Muller, uh, no more than a little bit almost three weeks ago now. Three weeks ago. Yeah, it was for uh, rheumatitis appointment. He had paid two shilling for it. Not inconsequential the cost, but that's the last transaction you see. Three weeks ago. Last transaction record in the book is from three weeks ago. How much money is in the till? Uh, can I like do a calculation and try and get an answer? You'd have to open the till. Yeah. No way of knowing without opening it, which I have no ambition to do. Seems a little odd that the, uh, the innkeeper would recommend it as a apothecary that ain't been in town for three weeks. I... To, be, to be clear, it's not a till that comes out. The coins already go in, and you can't get them out unless you open the lockbox lock below. You cannot pull money from the till. Right. Hey, Lisa. Could you? You think you can do something with this? I want to see if there's money in here. I don't mean to take it, but <laughs> I want to see if there's something in there. So I come in, and it's like well stocked. Oh, yeah. Whole place is stocked. Well, I mean, it's. Pretty well stocked. I mean, maybe even on vacation or something. The sign was <laughs> stated. Okay. You don't go vacation in winter. The reason I want to know is if there's some people go to warmer places. If there's nothing in there, then that would even further support that he was taken or planned on leaving for good. Well, I can I, I can like rattle the box. Oh no, there's no box you pull out. It's actually affixed into the desk. Gotcha. Yeah, it's uh, it's not in this. It's not kind of what you. I see what you're thinking. But it's not like that. It's it looks like literally like a like a 1940s money till that has the numbers along the top with big keys on the back and like a winding crank, and it's affixed into the desk. 
so the coins would really go down some sort of chute inside, and the grinders inside would probably count the coins that were punched in, and it would spit out the right number of coins on the other side, because you can see these kind of like brass tubes mm-hmm. that are locked on top uh, with, the, with little padlocks-like things that go for crowns, shilling, and brass. Can attempt to get into it if you'd like. Yeah, I just want to know. We can paint a, a further picture of what's going on here. Alright. This is not on the up and up, and he who gave the order will be responsible for this corruption. That's one. Okay. Uh, it is not easy, it is not difficult to unlock this, but it's a very simple lock, so it's going to be a, an easy test. An easy skullduggery. Alright, so that puts me 55 is my skull 75. Ninety-two won't do it. Seems easy enough. It's just a strange mechanism. You don't keep working it. Let me try again. That's routine. Seventy-four will do it. Okay. Tink. Right. Yep. Let me do that again. Fifty-five. Seventy. Yeah, I'm one under. She lifts the lever and opens it. You can see there a number of coins and a little iron box that she pulls out from below. <laughs> Shillings and brass, no crowns. Oh, I dropped crowns in. Oh, save for your crowns, yes. Does, uh, that, does that match up with with your book? It's one of the most recent transactions I can see. You take the you take the till out and pour it out over the desk and look out the window, make sure nobody's coming by and we get sorting through the coins and doing quick counts. Uh, it will take a little bit, but yes, the the cash does line up. It looks accurate enough and then I bundle the coins back in. Yeah. Let's put them all back. Elisa uh, will write her name in the ledger. Sure. <laughs> well, so not her name, but she'll, she'll write a name and put <laughs> name, <purchase>. a name. <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a name. There, uh, there is a description date. of goods. There's a date, and there's cash rendered and cash, cash received and cash rendered. Well, gentlemen, if it was kidnapped, as you were saying, they would take the money too. <laughs> not necessarily. Why not? I mean, it depends on how rushed of a job it was. If there's right. only one person, how do you hold a man in pick a lock? Just painting a picture, that's all. Hold a knife to his throat and have him unlock it. <laughs> Pretty simple to me. Just finding out what we can. So, at least the ledges match up. And now, is there anything in these numbers that just looks odd? No. Like something that's maybe priced to... You've spent enough time to know these numbers to know nothing is overpriced. Okay. No. Everything seems in order, just the most okay. recent of transactions being weeks ago. All right. That's an honest right. motion. For okay. this, at least. I mean, obviously not for the bottles in the back, but, you know, for this, at least. Well, I'll go out and look at the sun. Uh, a little bit past midday. It's about one o'clock. Don't stare at that. After your eyes. <laughs> I thank you for your concern. Um, all right, we're past midday. I would say our next avenue should be Harold Muller. To the forest, then. Yes, for two reasons. One, to investigate the fire and see if we can find any more clues about who may have started that. And for two, to see if he can recall any strange details about Forsh before he left. Since he is the last transaction, he is the only person we know is the most recent to see him. Daylight's burning. 
dark. Alright, let's do it. Four hours leads. We can get out of that, yeah. Let's do it. Uh, so you, I would like to head to the inn to see if the the innkeeper can give us any information where we might find the granary. Oh, old man Harold. Uh, he was out there in the fire. It's under the farmlands. Could you tell us directions? What road to follow to get there? There's an old horse trail that's leading outside of Stow, a bit to the north and the west. Don't take the main road, otherwise you'll end up in Redlock a couple, about a week or so out. Go north of there. You'll know it by seeing it. The whole damn place looks like it's been burnt to a crisp. And I should say, old man Muller, he and his family have been back here since the fires a couple weeks ago. They're staying out there, staying out, keeping the holding up in their farmhouse. Does it sound like the farmhouse that we saw? There were several out there you saw that were burned. Okay. Say it's a north, northwest. All right. Is there perhaps a, a second apothecary in town? We went to Forshes and it was closed. I... He, he says, no. Come to think of it, we ain't seen Master Frost since the fire. Hmm. Did you see him today? No, he wasn't in his shop. I, I flipped the sign for him so nobody would go in. Probably Grolstetters. There's no sign of any scuffle or anything. Just looked like he'd left. You can't trust a Grolstetter now, can you? Conniving they are. This is just this. No, this is just you and him talking. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I casually glance over my shoulder over at Warren, and then look back at the shopkeeper. You you see him lock eyes with you outside the window, and he turns back to Warren. Lifts an eyebrow and shrugs. (laughs) I. You're not in there. Get that in mind. Okay. I'd be I'd be banging up uh, Aileen Woodward's tree. She's the leader of them Grolsteaders. Untrustworthy, all the lot of them. Poisonous as snakes. I'm surprised uh, Renald the Gray has not taken them out and drowned them in the wood in the axe water already. Has he said he's going to do so? No, Master Renald the Gray is a even-handed fellow. But if it was my town, that's what I would do. Can't trust him, I say. Thank you for the directions. I dropped two brass pennies and head out. And I... he really, he clear, he's one of those people who kind of realizes he's overshared, and he kind of gets he gets a bit red-faced, and he retreats to the back room. I walk outside to warn him, like, that man does not like you. Neither <laughs> does anyone else in this town. I'm getting used to it. He says you're full of snake venom, and if he'd had it his way, he'd drown you in the river. Well, screw him too. I ain't staying in his head. <laughs> Alright then. Thought I'd let you know what's being said about you. See? I love this city. I told you I can share information. That did him uh, no harm. Elisa is going to make it a point before we head out or go anywhere to stop by the blacksmith to start ordering the parts that we need for the ship. Oh, uh, you can assume that uh, that's already being taken care of. Okay. okay. By, um, by your other, by the other, your other companions. Yeah. Okay. You blockhead! Semi <laughs> new house. Don't double the order. <laughs> <laughs> right, you clear. old coot, you old fool! <laughs> He's probably by the blacksmith's off bickering over prices right now. So he does best. Okay. Um, besides, make things work. <laughs> but, uh, that's already being taken care of. He's just arguing with the things long enough that they give up and work. That's all. <laughs> that's There's no mechanical skill. It's just like see all things. So what do you intend to do? Uh, I don't know. Make a way out there? Granary, yeah. 
Scout. If that's the man that was the last one to buy something from him. Also, we can find out if there's anything that he noticed um, a miss or a foot in the fire. Right. We have a few things to ask this man, yes. Well, let's, uh, okay. let's make our way out there then. You leave behind Stowe, and you begin heading up these winding hills. And you can see the main road that clearly goes to the west. It's cobbled and marked with milestones. And then you follow this kind of horse path that you went up earlier. And quickly the landscape turns from a snowbound landscape of Stowe into this hellish, nightmarish-looking forest where only a few stunted trees stand and those that still do are just kind of like twisted, burnt uh, toothpicks that strike toward the gray sky where the wind is passing through. And whereas before you had snow beneath you and some flakes in the air, now it's ash beneath your feet, blackened tree stumps, remnants of uh, sheep corpses that were burned up in the fires, uh, and, and ash in the air. It's not choking by any means, but it, it, it is gray. It is almost like a gray mist of ash everywhere. Uh, these sheep corpse, corpses, are they uh, together or are they spread out? They're spread out. It's hard to make quite the fast fire. Is that okay from multiple directions? They would have huddled together. Animals, smoke, fire, they, they would have all tried to escape the same place they're hurt animals. That doesn't line up with what you know, Warren. That ain't right. I would have run in the other direction of the fire. So what, all of them would have just been hit repeatedly from different directions? Typical urbaner. She clearly doesn't <laughs> understand the way animals work. <laughs> that ain't how it is. They, they just, you know, they keep going. They just keep running away from what's hot. Right. Alright, then. So it must have been moving real fast for them. Just couldn't keep. They couldn't keep up. Well, a lot of smoke in the area when it fire. When there's a fire, these could have been simply collapsing from smoke, exhaustion from running. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. Either way, it doesn't seem like a standard fire, right? I mean, a barn burns down. Most of the time, you see the horses get out if the doors open, right? Well, well horses are built a bit faster. These, this better. type of tree Still. here. This uh, evergreen tree full of sap burn up really quickly. This quickly. Uh, well, I don't know for certain, but uh, I reckon maybe. You can see the the kind of uh, husk of a round stone granary. Its roof is collapsed, and the boulders and rock kind of stand where they're at. And you can see this blackened, charred area all around here. In fact, the soil is wet. Not wet with snow, but wet with like this strange smell. Hmm. Like clearly the grain, the greenery exploded when the fire hit it. You would imagine it would just burn up really quickly because of all the nitrogen in the air. But there's, you can see bits of glass all over the ground, and the ground is very, very wet. And the air smells horribly. Hmm. Gonna pick out like what it smells like. Yeah. Is there anything I can do to try and tell what it is? Do I have alchemy? 
No. 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 You would need a skeleton alchemy to identify it, but you know it's at least alchemical in nature. Can I collect a bit of the soil? In what? Uh, good point. Let's see what I actively have. He's rifling through his things on the ground. Yeah. He's got scraping some up off the ground yeah, with a stick. Have that. Uh, I will pull out um, one of the strips of ragged cloth I have. Just kind of. Yeah. Collect a big handful of it and wrap it up in that cloth. Since okay. the cloth is clean and uncontaminated, yeah. yep. You bet. Clean, contaminated. Eh. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> Not in your medieval mindset. <laughs> yeah, so mindset's gonna my mindset's gonna go to like the aspect of trying to starve people out and one way is to mm -hmm. to burn the fields. That's right. And so I'm gonna look for whatever signs there may be from that, like and I don't right, know right, right. what those are as Adam. Pro warfare test. Yeah. Uh, it will be routine. I look around and see if there seems to have been like a lot of foot foot traffic or anything out in this area. Uh, unfortunately, it's lost because of the ash everywhere, okay. and it's too muddy and wet around here as well. Could I potentially, using uh, my <clears throat> past with skilled duggery, look around and see if I can see anywhere that's been tampered with? Well. It's everything's been ruined by an explosion. So, okay, so nothing. Any, anything you would be able to uh, to to assess would would have been inside the granary or the adjoining building, but the adjoining building, which was made of wood, has been blasted to cinders. Okay. Uh, like it's like literal cinders. There's no, nothing of it left. There's just the giant hole where it attached to the stone granary. I'd like to reroll that. I, I, I sure. Like, I'll take that to. misfortune point. Okay, so sixty-three. 45 success. Okay. Well, no. Um, you don't really see any signs of a scuffle. There there aren't any bodies or anything that's been dragged away or even left here. Um, you don't really see any broken shafts of arrows or broken spears or shattered shields or anything like that. No tattered remnants of clothing. Even if there was clothing, it would have been ruined in the fire, but um, there's nothing here that would indicate that there's been any sort of fracas that occurred here say for the the violent explosion of the granary i would like to move up to the granary itself and poke around in its remains to see if i spot any remaining details or anything that might have indicated beyond fire just got to the granary and exploded you shuffle around in this grayish black remnant of the meal that was here the flower that's been just destroyed. Um, there's nothing. Okay. There's nothing at all. This isn't your typical raising. If it was raising. Thinking a bit of scorched earth, but why? Well, I think y'all are jumping to conclusions. We ain't even uh, figured out whether it was just an accident. Could have been a storm caught the, the forest on fire. Right, a storm rains glass. Well, storm hits the granary, granary explodes. There's any windows in the, in the building or anything like or that? Anything they would have, it. They would have exploded outwards. 
I think we oh, go and okay. talk to this man. I, I thought that there was random glass all over. There is. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, there's glass over here, there's glass over there, there's glass everywhere. Well, fantastic. <laughs> and Grainer would not have windows. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we go speak to the owner. I look around for the farm building. Well, you 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 see burnt out remnants of other farmsteads, but the one that you can see closest to here is still standing, and there's smoke trailing out of its out of its chimney. That has to be Old Man Molars. Let's go say hi. Yep. Keep your weapons seized. Yes, sir. You walk through this kind of. You could, near near where his home is, there are two very large standing trees uh, that have somehow managed to escape the fire, and you can see that there are standing wooded fences uh, kind of guiding you along this muddy rut of a path toward uh, Old Man Muller's home, and nearby there's this kind of like low hills that come toward it. Perhaps it's the height that kept it safe from the fire, but other parts of the woods are burnt. Um, you can see as you walk along the way, the sounds of sheep as they be kind of moving among one another and kind of gathering around the fence, sniffing toward the air uh, as you come to come directly here. Pretty common uh, animals act like this because they think they're going to get fed. They all come to the fence mm-hmm. uh, as they're kind of gathering. There's a number of them kind of intermingled throughout this nearby tree, and um, but uh, you can see other parts near his farmstead that clearly have been burned. Um, he must have, he and his family, you would guess, probably did some firefighting to keep their place safe. Hmm. As you approach, um, a, a fellow, a kind of crooked back fellow with gray hair, steps out of the door to greet you, even before you approach the door, and he's carrying a pitchfork while his wife is peeking through the the windowsill toward you. You can see her face kind of, she's a moon-faced looking woman. She's looking through the glass toward you. And old man Muller takes a step out and says, alright, stand right there. I, uh, I motion for them to stop and I, I put my hands up like this. <laughs> and I say, what do you mean? What do you mean? You know, um, Come a little closer. I can't see you from where I'm standing. Alright. And I, I move forward still with my hands. As you, as you approach, you realize this man's eyes are roomy. Clearly, he's a glaucoma. Like he has really bad eyesight. He, oh, he kind of stops and put his puts his pitchfork down. You with them crimson martyrs? No, we're, we're not with them. I don't don't recognize any of yous. You're not from Stowe. No, we're not. Mm. The name's Tarwin. I'm gonna put my hand out to shake yours now, eh? No, Harold. Harold Muller. He walks up and gives you a firm handshake. That the hand of a farmer, broad and calloused, a man who has worked many labors, at least sixty, almost sixty years of age. And uh, no pictish among you, right? No. He's kind of looking toward the rest of you. Looks up on Harper on the back of the horse. All right then. We we came through town. We heard a little bit about what happened, and uh, well, Oof. we heard that she was one of the last families that. Uh, made it through this and wanted to just ask about what, so what happened well we got lucky I suppose we uh, when we heard the explosions out in the woods we thought we knew what direction it was coming from so we did our best to fight the fires as we could we dug a trench nearby 
kept it from coming up on the west bend and situated as we are up on the hill here the wind doesn't quite go down toward us so the fire just kind of roiled around the whole place but i tell you what oh mom ma was scared to death he says i would be too you said he said you heard explosions that's right i sure did <clears throat> fires out there we heard it on the western horizon just over the hill too up back out there in the woods that's when we heard the first one then we heard it from the granary down below a little bit later when the fire had spread hmm. I, i'm gonna approach at this point hearing that uh, you said explosions do you know uh, you Ralph? introduce yourself mate oh so, sorry eugene thornberry ah mr thornberry name's uh harold moeller that's Ma, but she's staying inside. She's a, uh, she's a bit afraid of the picnic since the fires. Do you believe it was them that started it? Truth be told, don't really know who started the fire, but I can tell you this: since the fires burned through, picnic been raiding farms around here, not killing anyone, but taking the sheep, taking the lambs, middle of the night. Middle of the night, eh? How do you know it's them taking the sheep and has anybody seen it directly them? Oh, they're Pictish, all right. No mistaking them in the wood. Nobody in the right mind wanders out in the forest at night. You can see them out there. Torches and all. Do you believe you said you had explosions? Do you know what that explosion was? What the, was it like the sound of a, a wand? He narrows his eyes. There are no wizards around these parts, except for maybe Emil Frosch. But I know, do know he's got some hut out there in the hills. Really? Do you know roughly where that hut may be? Get a points toward the northeast, where the first explosion was. Huh. We, um, actually stopped by to, uh, purchase from email earlier today and uh, as I hear it you may have been the last person to have seen him he hasn't been in town lately uh, it's been several weeks two or three weeks we got a bit of a room ma has a bit of a rheumatism achy joints in the winter so master frosh he uh we an apothecary and all he takes care of us and the rest of stow did he seem troubled at all when you saw him no, not at all. Emil's a rather affable fellow. Uh, speaks like an Easterner. Sounds like he's from Durendal or something like that, but uh, otherwise a trustworthy fellow, I suppose. Man didn't seem troubled at all. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, well, we can be trusty sometimes, eh? I, I'm trying to be good-humored about it, as, oh. I, as I obviously have a Western accent, too. Well, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't go... Casting dispersions, I'm just simply saying he ain't got no mind, pay to pay the mind to be worried about anything around here. I mean, he's probably the richest man in town. Aye, okay. Yeah, he seemed like to have a pretty good setup. Did he seem like he was preparing to leave or go on a trip of sorts when you had spoken to him last? It's winter. Why would anybody leave? That doesn't make any damn sense. We we Midlanders don't quite have the same. Uh, Means and method as the Aerodane, so we can't go on holiday away from the Axewater. We live and work here as we do. Yes. Just, sorry, just oh. casting my mind about on what he may have been doing. No, good question, though. Oh, Emil Frosch, you know, 
Durindler. He was a uh, reliable and friendly, and you know he's like all apothecaries. He's a bit queer and strange, and being a wizard, especially, I'm sure that even adds to it. Hey, sir, my name's Warren Rhodes. Yeah, Master you, Rhodes. You one of them Grawlstanders down there with Aileen? Well, I come through with this group. I ain't one of them that's uh, camping out on the on the Axwater, but uh, I, I do come from. Did come from Grawlsteader while it was still around. Grawlstead. Uh, well, you should know Aileen and the others are some of those who helped us fight the fires out here in the hills. Well, did they? They did indeed. Mighty honorable of them. What's that? Mighty, mighty honorable of them. Of them to do that for you. And our Grawlsteader is a good working people just like us. Mm-hmm. Say, so, uh, me and a friend here was, uh, we, were, we come through here this morning on a ride and we heard a, a loud animal roaring or something. You know anything about that? Hey, like bears Might have been a bear or, or something, something like, that? like that. Maybe a wolf. He will, you'll need to charm him to get this out of him. Go ahead and make a charm test. Okay. Uh, what is your what is your um, social class? Lowborn. Lowborn. Perfect. What a, and you're an assist? Uh, no, 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 no. Okay. Lisa could assist, but I don't know what she'd say to this man. Yeah. I do not have charm skill, but I'll go ahead and get So it'll be routine. Routine. Okay, so that's 46. And I rolled an 8. Success. Maybe. <laughs> well, he says, I've heard the same thing. And uh, to be quite frank, I don't really know what it is. There's all kinds of... These are old woods, right? Even before... We came to Stowe several few years ago, and even before the people who lived here came here, the Pictish been out in the woods for generations. Mm-hmm. Even before uh, the Aridane took their axes and hewed their way through the valley, right? Before axes touched the forest, this place was old. Ah, sure, there's plenty of stories and rumors about monsters in the woods. The reality is, this mostly just tales conjured up by people who are afraid of the Pictish. But there's some old things out in them woods and I'm not one going to ask about questions or speculate what I can't see with my own two eyes. I just know the forest is old. and I didn't recognize that roar, but I reckon a fire would have would aroused anything. Stirred up all the people of Stowe, stirred up us. Speaking of things we see with our eyes, Got me to thinking, you know, there's glass all about everywhere. Glass, Aye. he says. Can't, can't reckon I know anything about it. Well, we've seen it, and uh, you said the first explosion came from where steel is, right? A steel? Yeah. It came from over in that direction. I'll point to the was it northeast. The huts. There's a hut out there. Right, and then there was. The second explosion was the granary. Yeah, right? but that was about an hour later after the forest had spread around us. It burned right quick. So seemed like it. You know, we came we came out from a pretty bad summer. Mm-hmm. Really wet autumn and a lot of undergrowth out throughout here. It spread fast. Ain't nobody out here. Ain't no foresters clear cutting the wood out here in your stove. Mm-hmm. That we kind of we don't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Trying to keep good relations with the Pictish, we don't. We only take what we what we need. Deadfall. I mean, half the buildings that were here when we came were already 
built by the previous settlers before the cataclysm. Hmm. Uh, so during the Madame Geneva craze, did, did I, I remember you describing it in previous mm-hmm. times. Did they ever set it on fire like a, in a drink like bars do at all? Would, would we have ever seen that? No. Okay. Uh, but like a what, flaming shot? No, no, no. Yeah. Goodness, no. In fact, uh, it is not the fact that Madame Geneva is explosive. It's that it's incredibly potent, and there are several confirmed stories of people exploding after drinking it. That's right. Yes. <laughs> like spontaneously combusting. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, because that's that's what uh, um, that's what I'm thinking is the first explosion happened, and then poof, all those glass vials going up in the air, <laughs> raining down. That's that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. And uh, like yeah. So. Was, uh, our approach to the farm did we see the glass or was it when we were around this the the granary we didn't take care of look okay um, so I don't know about no still but there's a hut out there maybe we should go and check out that hut well you're not gonna find anything around there but black death I'm sure it's completely burnt to the earth huh I mean, you go no further than a stone's throw outside this farm, and you're going to find just death and ash. And about this time, as you're all kind of in the front of the yard, and you hear, and you're kind of talking about what happened, you hear the strangest thing, Elisa, as you look up, and you realize there's this cloud of of, um, white wool a black nose, a purple tongue, and four little legs flying through the air in a heavy arc. Coming from all the way out in the four, coming in a direct line toward all of you. Well, not a direct line, but just kind of coming that direction. And as this happens, we're going to take a break. And we'll resume <laughs> Queen of Embers in just a moment.
So you hear this sound, as this, literally, this sheep is hurtling through the air end over end. And that will be the beginning of the last cataclysm. Of a beautiful friendship? <laughs> of this combat. And from here, we <laughs> shall move to... That would be a cow if it was the last right. cataclysm. <laughs> let's, move to the, let's move to the mini board. All right, so I need your help revealing the mini board. Move this out of the way. The Afghan of mystery. This. Afghan of mystery. All right. First game of the new year. As the battle board is. Guys, it's a bison. Got to start it off with a bang. That's right. So we got to get a picture of this. Okay. I think it's on here. So. Here's what you see. We know the figures from before who are our player characters. Uh, so we have Harper, Warren, Eugene. Banneker's not here. So which one's a which one? Elisa's the white one. Yeah, Lisa's up. So yeah, Lisa's the only one not nearby. But that leaves uh, Warren, Terwin, Terwin. Um, Eugene and Harper. Sheep, I assume. <laughs> and a sheep flying through the air as it comes hurtling toward the three of you, um, or the four of you, the four of you who are here, where this sheep is need to make a challenging coordination test. So I'm good. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. 16. Success. I did. Okay, who got hit by the sheep? <laughs> you did. I'm good. I'm Out of 29, I got a 21. So who failed? Both Warren <laughs> and Terrell are knocked to the ground. So, oh. Intriguing. As you're both knocked prone on the ground. And you suffer one from surprise and one from getting hit by the sheep. <laughs> These things happen. Um, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Uh, I am going, because this is a surprise, I'm going to use danger sense and spend a fortune point to avoid it. Okay. Fortune point? Yeah. I'll take that misfortune point. Do, 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 do. I'm loving it. So, alright, so fortunately, Terwin is not struck, but Warren is. And as you're hit by the sheep, you suffer uh, eight damage. And you're knocked off your feet. Bam! And as the sheep hits the ground, it kind of goes thud, and there's just blood spack out of its mouth. <laughs> and as you look across the field, you can see just outside of, of course, all the, the fences around this farmhouse, where you can see that from here, right here is where Harold is standing. You can see a number of sheep that were grazing around this large tree. And anywhere you can see these little raven figures is where the trees are on the farmhouse, just to kind of indicate. Okay. But you can see all these sheep grazing. And this huge boar that must be... Nine feet at its shoulder 
and 12 feet at its tail is badly burnt, charred black, and bleeding as if it was exposed to the fires. And it is steadily working its way through the sheep as its tusks gore another sheep and fling it in the opposite direction as it moves forward. A sheep crashes somewhere in the nearby trees, landing amid the branches. Now, I will indicate real quickly above board what this board represents. You will notice that there aren't any squares on this board. Instead, there are light, light white lines that you can see if you want to stand up and look here. There are light white lines. Those lines indicate one AP to move through. Okay. Make sense? Oh, okay. If it is a tree, it is considered hard terrain, so you cannot charge or run through it. So here, here, and here. If you wish to take cover, you must have either a tree where the ravens are indicated, or you must have crates nearby to take cover behind. And the tall crates can take can give cover to two people. The short crates can give cover to one person. This is the farmhouse. This, of course, is the fencing that kind of it kind of is a pathway to and from the Mueller farmhouse that you can see here. Makes sense so far? Mm-hmm. Warren Rhodes, what are you gonna do? Just up myself, stand up. Okay, so that's two AP unless you have rank coordination. I do. Okay, so it's one AP to hop up. You come to your feet and your senses, you look over this poor sheep that must have literally just been lobbed through the air whenever the, the this large, huge, as you know it as, a barrel-bellied orc, an elder one at that, Ooh. throws it through the air and it crashes as another one goes flying through the air and catches in a nearby tree about 20 feet up as it's literally making its way toward the farmhouse. Enraged, burnt, charred black and bleeding, this creature is already... Moderately wounded. What will you do? Uh, draw my hunting bow. Okay. That's one AP to draw the bow, one AP to load. Mm-hmm. And will you be done? Uh, yeah. Okay. Eugene Thornberry, it is your turn. Good heavens. Uh, and what should we do? And I'm going to draw my rape here and bang. Kill that crazy thing. Draw one and bank two. Okay. That will bring us to the barrel-bellied orc. It is huge. It stands as tall as Matthew. It is twice as long and three times as wide. This thing is its about as big as you can imagine a bison would be with these huge tusks that are literally, one of them is broken uh, and the other one is charred black. And the creature is squealing in anguish and in anger. The same sound the two of you heard out in the forest as it's making its way toward the farmhouse. Another one of the, 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 the sheep are gored on the end of its tusk. And its legs kind of wiggle off of it as it's been stuck through the belly. And it kind of like shakes it back and forth and it's stuck on the end of its tusk. As the uh, thing is making its way toward the Mueller farmhouse. That now brings us to Elisa. What will you do? Uh, Elisa is going to draw her bow, also put an arrow on it. 
Okay, so that's one AP to draw, one AP to load. She's going to step the one AP. Do you want me to keep the putty? With no, you can move the putty now. I just put it down so to hold the okay. figures in place when we did the big reveal. Right. She is going to step to this spot. So she, well, actually, can I see it from the spot I'm in? You absolutely can. Uh, what is the range on that? Is it within my first range? Uh, we'll say each of these represent about five yards. Okay. But you get a giant tree in your way, so you can't get a clear shot on it from here. You have to do some fancy firing through the tree to reach it. But you can still try. You I might to, as well try. You have to do a daylish grip. Sideways, right. Sideways, <laughs> uh, set our daylish grip. Yeah, let's, let's go for <laughs> it. You get the, air, get the arrow bender. So, yeah. <laughs> the last arrow bender. <laughs> <laughs> then we turn the string to put profession. a curve on it. <laughs> That's right. That's my next profession. So, uh, let's so you're going to fire? I'm going to attempt it. Oof. It is uh, 5, 10, 15 yards away. Uh, my perception bonus is 7, so I have 16 in my short distance. Perfect. So, uh, it is going to be a hard test. Hard. So, uh, 52 for simple range, so 20, so 32, it's 43 will not quite get it. Okay. The arrow <laughs> strikes a nearby tree, catching in the leaves, and you hear the arrow snap right through here. Okay, Terwin, it's your turn. We need to stop it before it reaches the house. It's gonna crash into it. Uh, everybody, draw your draw your weapons and fire on it. I'm gonna see if I can put myself in the way God's blasted. Um, as I'm going to attempt to um, make an inspiring word. Okay. Uh, what is your current damage condition track? My current damage condition track is unharmed. It's routine. Routine leadership will make it 68%. And a 26 will succeed. Nice. You'll have plus one damage per threshold and peril thresholds. Surrounding out here all these sheep that are fleeing right in this general area. But we're looking directly where the barrel-bellied orc is. It is right here. It just gored this sheep. So, what will you do now? I will draw my sword and shield. 1 AP. Ching ching. You're armed. And uh, I'll look to the uh, old man. He's right here. And I'll say, get your family out of the house and um, away from here. He's going straight for it. And then I will move towards the boar. He nods. So it's going to be. Uh, so this is hard terrain. Yeah, this I only have one AP left okay. anyway. So, so. You'll, okay. So you're now, you hop over the fence. And you're now beneath the tree as you're making your way toward the boar. Yeah. There's not exact distances on here, but we're right. just going to yeah. pretend so, what it mean, is for now. I'm anywhere within there. It doesn't That's really right. Matter. That's okay. right. Cool. Yep. All right. That brings us to Harper Clavier. Harper uh, Clavier, what will you do? <laughs> Am I on Matthew? Uh, I don't know. Do you think it would have been appropriate to approach on horseback? I think I would have gotten on. So, okay. I so would we'll spend... assume that you're, you want to mount up. Right, I'll get up for okay. one AP. Okay, coordination <laughs> You're now in the back of Matthew, the warhorse. You don't quite stand as tall as the barrel-bellied orc, or the boar as you know it as. Yeah. But the first thing that Warren screams is, Barrel-bellied orc! <laughs> right, and so... It's literally, its belly is as big as like a ton of like a, a booze. Right. Like this big, huge tons they use. Barrel-bellied. And so, I would then, uh... <laughs> this is not the... But Warren, this is not the size of any barrel-bellied orc you've seen or hunted in the north. It is huge. And then I would move over 
in kind of this direction. So hop the fence for yep. one. Uh -huh. Okay. <coughs> I'm gonna hop the fence for one, and then uh, pull out my pistol for one. Okay. So one hand on the reins, one hand on the pistol. Okay. That brings us to Warren. <laughs> I'm gonna hop the fence. Okay. What do you mean? And then I'm gonna go. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna try to disperse the sheep. Okay. All right. Go and make a handle. I want to test this. Test will be easy. Okay. That will be a 66% chance to succeed. And 46 will do it. Okay, you can disperse one plus your fellowship bonus. Okay, so that will be five. Oh, nice! So, which way do you want to send them? I want to send them in this direction. Okay. So, that will be one, two, three, four, and finally, five. As the sheep are being herded the other direction, which is good. Okay. Um, so there's what two? There are two more. remaining within sight, and there are two more standing between the barrel-bellied orc and the farmhouse. Okay, I'll continue to do. I'll continue to try to move them, if that's okay. Yep. If, if that's Would possible. It be? Okay. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Test is routine. All right. Fifty-six. Sixty-one will not do it. I'm going to re-roll. Okay. And an eight will do it. Okay. Did you use a fortune point? I did use a fortune point, yeah. Oh, okay. Pick that up boy's fortune. getting geared up here. <laughs> three of us fortune. One, two, three, four, five, six. That should be. That's all my actions. Should be. Yep, one less, I think. Should be. Yeah, it should be. Three fortune and three misfortune. Currently. Okay. So do they. How many did you disperse? Uh, five. Okay. Do you want to disperse the ones that are also in front of the house? Uh huh. As you do so. Which way do you want to send them? Same direction. Okay. As the sheep are running, the uh, barrel bellied orc will manage to hold one back <laughs> and gore with its tusks as it passes by, enraged and bloody and burnt. And a 13 will do it as the sheep is stomped to the ground and thrown through the air and it lands on a nearby tree. Only one has gotten away, and that now means the Mueller household. There's no sheep to stop from crashing through. Eugene, what will you do? Uh, I'm gonna hop the fence for my first AP. Okay. Ha! Um, I will then, as I pass Terwin, uh, is there a plan? And I'm going to Spend my other two AP to move over one more. You're not gonna like here. it. Yep. Here or here? No, no, no. Here. You're not yeah. gonna like it. We need to stop it from crashing in the house. It's the only place they've got. Oh. All right. Well, with that then, instead of move this way, not into its square, oh, but you in you are in its threat range. Oh. Yeah, these are threat ranges. We don't have distinct Isn't grids. There no. No, one chain uh, into this one is not. Oh, you can absolutely do that. Yes. Yeah, I'll do that one instead. Okay. That means you're just a, you're just a, about a few yards away from it. Yep. Okay. I'm scared. Yeah, you, I would be too. Eugene, ha ha! Puts itself in the way, and then the barrel-bellied orc on its turn. Oh boy. Gorgeous. 
is it comes down to, imagine how tall you are. Yeah. Imagine if its nose reached the top of the ceiling. Yeah. Its maw is massive with these ragged looking teeth and molars, and its tusk is about the length of an arm, about six, about, about four feet long. And it's storming toward you, enraged, and you can see anguish and pain in its eyes. It smells of blood. I panic. Ah! Has an eighty percent chance to strike. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> oh my God! Wriggle bail, Wriggle bail. Move this one out of the way. He's already been. Eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. It's a twenty-nine. That's not an eighty-eight. Do you want to attempt to parry? Um. With what AP? Well, yeah. I mean, it costs me one to jump the fence and two to move yeah. out of the foliage. Or you can it? use a fortune point to parry. Call. I think I will. I'm running fortune point to try and parry. As I'll bring my. Okay. Now I have four misfortune. You have two fortune remaining. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna use my lantern shields to try and parry that blow. All right. Uh, that's gonna be arduous. Boy. You raise your shield. Fail. Sixty-eight. Okay. Ugh! It's two d six plus ten. That's uh, 14 damage. Uh, I... I just died in your room. Yeah, practically. Uh, I am moderately wounded. As you fail to parry, its great molars chomp out for an opportunity attack. Zero five striking. As you suffer 15 more damage. And as this happens, its teeth grab onto your leg and yanks you off your feet for a takedown with its ripping teeth, so you must resist the takedown with a coordination test. This test is challenging. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't know we were playing Kingdom Death Monster, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, fail! That's a fail! Ugh. He hits the ground, and Terwin, your eyes widen as you realize that it's looming over. What is your current damage condition? Grievously wounded. Oh, we need to roll for injury, yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, I was moderately on the first hit, and then grievously on the second. Uh, so, roll 1d6 for moderately. I call Tibbs on his fancy armor. No, no injury. Okay, roll 3d6 for grievously. I would like to be buried. Actually, my, something, my stuff you guys would already be Oh, and it's vicious. I'd make it 46. You get a 6. I'll have an injury, please. <laughs> I mean, you'll be dead as, night. as Eugene stands bravely between the the Mueller house and the great boar. He's taken off his feet in a several blows, and he is the lone person who stands between him and the boar crashing through and killing the Mullers. You may take, and we will do this as we will would normally. You uh, shall take over here. Oh boy. <laughs> so how much damage do you suffer total? How much damage have I suffered? Yeah, yeah you're showing. I looked away. I looked away when I saw you were showing me. Um, like, <laughs> two steps and then two steps. Choose a misfortune. Choose a grievous injury. Not that one. No? Oh, yeah. it's too late. Oh, God. I was right. <laughs> this is so bad. What happens? What happens? Yeah, it bites my leg off. I have a butchered leg. So fully recuperated, I cannot move as the pain I'm in. Gee, I wonder what's causing that pain. Uh, <laughs> must undergo a successful surgery or suffer the consequences. Once a butcher leg has undergone a failed surgery, you gain the veteran's leg drawback. 
So would you like to avoid that injury with a fate point, or would you simply accept the injury right now? Mm. Do the gods think you should keep your legs? How many fate points do you have left? One. Oh, oh, you just take the injury, no! Well, you just started the game! I know. Uh, <laughs> Four sessions in. Uh, we think your leg's fucked up. Yeah, but <laughs> the next set will kill me, and then I cannot die from that. So... <laughs> choices, choices. Yeah. Having a missing leg isn't that bad. Yeah, I mean, I've seen plenty of people missing legs. They can go out with their life. Tell us what, what what does everybody see? Like, what are they so, seeing? So Eugene hears Turman say, we need to put ourselves in between it and the building. And he nods, and he goes pale at the mere thought of it. And he doesn't want to move directly at it. So he's kind of skirts to the side, hoping, like, maybe it will eat one of the main sheep at its feet. Uh, <laughs> and it doesn't. Uh, and instead, it just runs him down. And he, uh, I, I think the the last thing going through his mind is uh, he's just he's terrified. And so he, he, you guys maybe hear him call out for for Hexen's turn to save him, <laughs> just something to intervene. Um, and then so like going through his mind is just this, this boar as he brings the shield up to block and then the tusk comes underneath and gores into him and then it bites his leg and it rips him back and forth and throws him to the ground with that. And uh, he hits the ground and his leg is bone sticking out from it. And he's, he's panicking and he's starting to hyperventilate. He's, he's freaking out. And he's calling and he's thinking maybe he earned this after what he did to the to that fanatic. He's thinking maybe this is like the, the wheel coming around on him. <laughs> He's starting to panic. All right. So it is now Elisa's turn. Oh boy. Uh, there's not much I can do. Would it help your first... spur your memory if I push my inyards back in? <laughs> <laughs> if you could. Your yeah. first arrow misses its mark. And the the, the elder boar, bloodied and enraged, in an incredible pain, moderately wounded as it is, is still making its way toward the Muller farmhouse. I'm still not going to be able to shoot for shit. Um, if I was to crawl up on that crate, would that negate the trees at all, or no? No. Because you took uh, two steps forward uh, over here. Uh, or uh, within the trees range, it wouldn't be as difficult. Yeah, but I have to spend redraw my AP or to redraw my bow. Because I, I know I can't move. Would you like that back you in the deck so somebody else can get it? I wrote down the end. Okay. <laughs> right, but that's one AP, mm-hmm. and then I'd have to do two to move. Oh, it takes two to get over there? Uh, yeah. Oh, From I see. Yeah. At, I started further away she than you guys. She is here. Yep. She has to move to the tree. She had to go load and move to the tree. All right, uh, we're going to load, aim, fire. Okay. Hope for the best, okay. I guess. You load your weapon. You aim your weapon, for and you AP, fire for a... It was hard before. Yes. This will be challenging now. All right, so my range is 52, uh, plus 10 for aim, so 62, minus 10 for challenging, so 52. 71 won't do it. The arrow flies through the air. I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, I got a 52, but I don't think it's worth it. Unfortunately, you were not 
unsuccessful as the arrow does not strike. I, I can't uh, charm this thing. So, uh, as I see so that, I'll, I'll, I'll shout out, Elisa, close the distance a bit at the time, in between each shot. Sarawin, it's your turn. Uh, I will... That, that, to me, that looks like one AP to move up there through the, like the tree and all that. Uh, where you at here? Yeah, it'd just be one to here or one to there. Yeah, I'll go one to there. Um, in the same. Into spot. here or into here? Second here. Okay, so over by. Yes. Standing bravely over Eugene. Uh, so that's one AP, and I will aim, and I will strike towards the, uh, the bear, the well the. What you call it? Bar barrel bellied orc. Okay. Well, it is uh, it is an easy task because it's big. Okay. It's it's it. Many may say it's large. Because <laughs> 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 it was dark. Yeah. Um, all right. So um, this will be easy. It'll be eighty percent. And a 54 will succeed. All right, you strike. One off. Okay, um, I would like to uh, use my shield slam talent. When I use a shield, my main hand gains the powerful quality. Nice. And I will push it back. All right, ah. stay here. <laughs> you. I grasp at my mangled leg and I. Yes, yes, <laughs> I, I think I will. Thank you. You slam into the creature. Well, let's see first if its mighty tusks will catch your sword. Okay. I spend a misfortune point. Uh, its test will be yours was easy. Its will be hard, so it's now a sixty percent chance for it. Forty percent. No dice. Okay. Well, it goes clang. It strikes directly into its tusk. And it is not driven back, but you're still standing between it and the Mueller household. Well, I also need to roll damage. Uh, it parried, right? That's right. It oh, wait, yeah. Uh, whoops. I thought that was like a resist, but yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. um, okay, that's it for my turn. Okay. Harper Clavier. Clavager. I keep saying Clavier. I know. It's all, it's all because of Matt. It's all because of the Grim Streamer. He, <laughs> he called the Clavier. The Cla During uh, Chateau, he called him the Clavier. So, on France. <laughs> All right, so I will take Matthew into this tile. Okay, so it's one. Sorry. Yes. Uh, and then how far away would you say I am? Five yards. Five yards? Okay. Um, I will take aim and I will shoot. Okay, firing upon it. Is that firing into the engagement? It sure is. Yeah. Um, as Tarawin is standing toe to toe with the great barrel bellied orc. So, your test rolling would be hard, but you're aiming, so it's going to be challenging. And you're sitting at the same height, so it's going to be, we'll call it uh, standard. Okay. So, we will go with 63. I'm sorry, it's larger, so it's routine. My apologies. 14 hits. Nice. Boom! He fires and shoots the animal. It's can't dodge. Gunpowder. Alright. So, that will be 14. 14. Yes. Okay. 14 will render it. I mean, technically, you could use one to flip it to a That's fine. It'll make it seriously wounded. So roll uh, 2d6. 
Von leg injury. Uh, no injury, it looks like. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. If it suffers that damage, it'll use a misfortune point to move one step of the damage condition tracker. Anyway, making it once again moderately wounded. That's for a misfortune point. Okay. <clears throat> that brings us to. You hear a sound coming from somewhere. And it seems to be coming from across the field. And you're not sure what it is at first. As you can hear this song, it sounds like. Like this chanting sound. And it's not coming from nearby where you all are at. It seems to be coming from somewhere else. As your eyes look across the farm field, you can see what looks like this this woman, this very tall woman, who is bearing this long, ragged-looking spear with these golden eyes up on a nearby hillock. And as she begins to sing, the creature begins to calm for a moment. As it's, as it's, as it's um, anger is quelled for just a few moments. And we will put her right over here. Would you put her over on this section? You can do that next to this. And you can see others kind of within her flanks for a moment. And as she completes her song, the creature appears to be stunned for a moment. Its anger subsides for just a mere moment. As it's breathing, you can feel the heat of its nostrils in your face, and you can feel the spittle kind of all over you as well. As it kind of is heating, like breathing heavily, its nose kind of turns to the air, and it kind of gives this slight groaning sound, uncertain what to do, as it is now left, it is now stunned and defenseless. Warren, what will you do? All right, well, um... Warren, get Eugene out of here! Okay. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna run over and... What do I got here? I guess I can try a knockout. Right? <laughs> you can certainly try it. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> I believe in you. Where are you standing? Here? Right here. You come across toward it. You see its big, flat, black nostrils. And you can see this intense pain in its eyes as there's this kind of built-up mucus in the corners of it. Have you ever seen Princess Mononoke? Mm -hmm. It's like the giant boar moru. That's exactly yeah, that's what I've I was thinking this entire time. <laughs> its hair is bristling upward. It's charred and burned on its underbelly over here. You approach it, you double up your fist, and you swing toward it to try to knock it out, and this will be a hard... I wasn't going to just punch it. I was going to... Uh, I wanted to pull out my bullwhip and like try to grab its horn and then like yank it down towards the ground. Oh, okay, great. All right, will it be to draw your whip? Okay. And you're going to strike it, the melee attack. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Uh, it's going to be a routine test. Okay. That'll be a 68% chance to succeed. And a 22 will hit. Ooh, no, 23. 23. Oh. oh. I misread that. All right. Oh. So you're going to trigger a takedown or a chokehold? Uh, takedown. Okay. Yeah, it's not going to be easy to take down. This will be an easy test for it to resist. Uh, so it is going to be... Can you defenseless? Can you resist? You cannot. You're right. You see that uh, Bourne puts all of his strength into it. Uh, he begins kind of moving backward with the great creature as he lets it down. He begins moving back with the creature, kind of pulling at the whip until the creature comes to a solid thud to the ground as he brings it down, moderately wounded as it is, and has been taken off of its feet. As this happens, do you have any more AP left? Uh, what was that? To move and then Draw attack? Draw and then attack. Attack, okay, so yeah. As this happens, you can see across the way from where you're at, Harper, you turn around as you see, as you hear the sheep beginning to, to separate. You can see suddenly, like, as if the wind and the ash had just brought these figures from the surrounding hills, you see these short, lithe, red-skinned people that are painted with uh, red woad on their faces, and there are these feathers tucked behind their ears, and they're dressed in these loose skins. You guys, these sounds of them calling out, and one of them screams, "Stop!" Screaming toward all of you in the common tongue. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll turn to... It's now Eugene's uh, turn. Um, <laughs> uh, Three AP to scream repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> I like to interact with screaming. No. Um, uh, what would it take for me to, uh, as I'm already prone and like my leg is messed up, I don't uh -huh. want to try and stand on it. So I'm going to like... You can't stand anyway. You can't move. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. I can't move. <laughs> I was going to try and like shuffle back. So I feebly try and like push myself away. Um... I'm gonna. Oh, this is rough. You can you. Oh, you realize your leg is pinned underneath of it. Uh, You're unable to move. It's prone, and I'm scared, <coughs> uh, and I can't move. I'm gonna instinctually stab out at this creature. I'm gonna try and aim and. S Don't draw its ire. Uh, all right then. I'll <laughs> bank. <laughs> Three AP. I'll bank three AP. Okay. Oh, I got nothing. <laughs> you got the rapier yep. in. That brings us to the creature, oh. which will now attempt to resist the song that came from the strange one with the golden eyes across the way. Its chances are 40. 46. But I think I'm going to reroll that Ooh. with a misfortune point. Thirty-nine. Mm. I can't even make that up. You can feel the heat from its nostrils wash over you. It's terrible breath. It makes this terrible groaning sound as it spins two AP to lumber back up on its feet. You hear once again screaming from some man across the way, Don't kill it! Calm it! Calm it! I still have it by the horn. Could I fight, fight yeah. against it? Uh, you, you, you could, but you didn't take down. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 
it, as it comes up to its feet, and like you, you have to relinquish the whip as it spends two AP to come up. And as it does so, it will attempt to gore you. As uh, we're now over here where Warren and the great Barabelli Fort is. That's a 80% chance to strike. And that's a 52. With my lightning reaction, I'm going to interpose my shield in the way. It, with your man-at-arms ability? With my man-at-arms ability, okay. yes. Alright, uh, your parry is going to be challenging. Challenging! Uh, that will be 50%. Uh, 16. Nice. He puts himself in front of you and, uh, with the, both hands of the shield. He and the, the creature, the great boar, pushing against each other. You can see its huge hooves about the size of well, a catcher's mitt, kind of like dragging in the mud and the ash and snow as it's kind of barreling down. You hear the heat from its nostrils is kind of in your face and if you had a visor, I'd be fogging it up. Yeah. But you get the shield interposed behind it. You're kind of just pushing one way. You shove it backwards, buying just a mere moment, like you do in uh, Dark Souls. And you yeah. Ching! Yeah. Right. One <laughs> fucking get you, Gene, out of here, please. <laughs> Elisa, it's your turn. What will you do? You turn around and you can see this tall, slender woodwoman. Uh, who's just on the top of a crest of a hill way back over here, nearest you, as a matter of fact. You, the player. All the way over... Not you, Here. And she's watching over all of the, the Muller farm as this unwinds, her song winds down. And then over here, near the, the thicket of trees, you can see a, a, a number of folk with kind of reddish-brown skin emerge from the wood. They kind of evoke all of the terrible stories you've heard about the Pictish. They appear to be dressed head to toe for war. They are armed with bows. One of them is speaking in the oldish tongue. Don't kill it! Become the creature! Stick us with bows if we kill it. This is gonna sound really strange, but I'm looking through my abilities because I can't hit it and I can't run to it. With my disguise, could I potentially mimic her voice? Ooh. Let's find out. Okay. Let me try. One moment. I got nothing to lose she, here. You clear your throat. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> 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 if I critically fail completely. <laughs> she will... I'll attempt it. Someone I know it moment. worked. One moment. <laughs> That's some counterfeit. I don't know how that works for voices. She will begin to chant. I'm gonna try. Um, okay, what's, what's my... It what's is it? going to be... a hard... Okay, disguise? A hard test for disguise. Yes. Okay, let's... Let's try it. I have a 52 in disguise. You can do it. 32. 62 does not do it. Wait, wait. Do I have a... No, I don't have Shaking anything for disguise. Shaking not stirred. Shaking not stirred is only charm or eavesdrop. Oh, oh darn. I want to try another, but... 
God, we don't have his fortune point. Or that fortune point. There's only two left. There's two left. Part of me really wants to try. Can I try and do it again more than once this turn, or no? Because you have three AP. It becomes harder if you do it again. Yeah. She clears your throat. Now the test is arduous for two A for your next AP. Okay, that's twenty two. And Aunt Nine will do it. Oh yeah. She begins to to share the same words as this woman on the hill. She calls forth it. It's like Swedish chef version yeah. of trying to repeat well, it's, some it's, other it's language. Pitch, it's point. pitch perfect. It's not. It's the exact words. It's not quite the same. It's not the same pitch, but it's the same words that she chants. And suddenly, the great monster, the uh, barrel-bellied orc, is stunned and defenseless. You have one AP left. Uh, I'm gonna step forward. What? I got nothing else at this point. I gotta aim. At least I'm closer. Alright. You move forward. The creature is stunned and left defenseless. Terowin, what will you do? I'm going to um, pivot or I'm going to try and pivot around so that the boar is facing me and I'm going to try and draw it to ire. Like, well, not ire, but attention. Yes. Um, so that... Uh, Grab Eugene, me and... Uh, so you want to take it off, you want to take it off of Warren? Yes, I want it to focus on me. Okay. All right, make a warfare test. Okay. You're gonna rile this beast up. It's going to be a routine test. You pull the shield back from its great tusk, as you can see bits of splinter pull off of it. And, uh, you're banging your sword against your shield. You're poking Prada with your sword. You're fainting toward it with your shield, trying to get its attention off of Warren. Yeah. Uh, it's a 1 AP. Okay, Warfare. Uh, this will be... What was the difficulty? Routine. Routine. This will be 63. 19 will succeed. Okay. It means drawing it backwards. As you And it still... It kind of stops for a moment as it's clearly... Its attentions have been drawn by the voice, and it's kind of looking toward you, sniffing toward the air. It groans and moans in intense pain, bleeding, charred and burnt. The creature's eyes show anguish and pain, the heat of its breath across your face. You've got its attention. What are you going to do? Okay. Uh, then I'm going to just bank all of my AP. The remainder? Yeah. Two? Yeah. yeah. All right. As uh, I'm just gonna look at it straight in the eyes, and uh, uh, I'll even like put my sword down. Okay. Uh, like holding it down so it's not a threat and keep my my shield up. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So that will bring us now to Harper. All right, Warren. Let's hogtie this thing. As I want to uh, basically holster my gun and take my uh, lasso off my hip. And then I will uh, load it for two AP. Okay. Go ahead and roll an easy simple melee attack. There's a range rather. It's a simple range. It's simple range. Yes. Simple range. Okay. Yeah. Roll easy test. Easy. All right. Eighty-three. That's twenty-four success. Okay. You managed to rope it up. You've got it held now. 
Now provokes what do you want to use chokehold or takedown? Uh, we'll do uh, takedown. Takedown? Okay. Uh, it's going to attempt to resist. Can't yeah. with it being stunned from defenseless. Try and defenseless, my apologies. So, uh, you pull and you manage to grab its leg and kind of whoop, falls right. to the ground upon its great belly. Tied up, Warren, tied up. That brings us to the woman across the way. And as you turn about to watch for her, Elisa, she's gone. Not sure where she's at. Warren, what are you gonna do? Can I tie it up? Sure, you can try. Uh, Okay, clamber on top of it and try getting the thing tied. Okay, I'll I'll try to do that then. Okay. Warren comes up to it, kind of shouldering into it with all of his might, trying to turn it over first. It's already knocked down. Turn it over to Uh hog tie it onto its belly up. Right. To try it belly up, you're going to need to make a successful, challenging athletics test. Okay. He puts his feet into the mud and muck is is kind of trying to shove it over. That'll be a 41. And 33. Whoa! 33! He's like a champion. 35. Oh, 35. Okay. Well, the good thing is you succeed the first skill test to make this happen. Yeah. He's got a lasso to pull off of its feet. You can lean into all of its fat and bristling fur and burnt skin and leaning into it and kind of turn over onto its belly. Ugh! You see sweat building up on Warren's brow from this <laughs> great effort. Its legs are now in the air, but the, the, the skill test is not over. There's one skill test remaining to hogtie this thing successfully, for you must do it faster than they can turn back over. Okay. So this will be a coordination test, which will be routine. Alright, routine coordination <coughs> will be 69% chance to succeed. And I rolled a 68. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <Yes>. Nice. <laughs> the creature is now hogtied. Which is good, because that means... Uh, it uh, will no longer pose a threat. <laughs> As you hog tie the the great beast up, it uh, it screams in anguish. It snorts and chortles. As you can see, snot kind of coming out of its great nose, and it's breathing long and heavy. <sighs> you can hear it's whole thing, whenever it shambles, the whole the mud and muck around it seem to kind of ripple almost. Of course, lying on the ground nearby is Eugene holding on to his leg as he bravely put himself between the barrel-bellied orc and the house. If that would not have happened, it would have crashed in and killed them. Warren ho- hollers towards the pigs. Come get this crazy thing! <laughs> Motion is with his arm. Yeah, I'll be assisting Warren in, like, keeping it hogtied. <laughs> you can see at the door that uh, Harold Muller is standing there with his pitchfork straight out, looking dead-eyed toward the Pictish. And yeah. they're kind of moving amid the wood. Uh, I'll say, Warren, I think Eugene really needs some help. I got it here. You got him? Yeah, hold on. All right. Warren will uh, administer a tincture. 
As you do so, as you're there, you see someone emerge from the wood from literally the middle of nowhere. This very tall, kind of amber-skinned woman with these eyes that are almost pupilless. They're almost the color of gold. And she's this long curl of auburn hair, and she's lingering over the animal, and she's singing to it softly into its ear, trying to calm the creature. She places her hands long and gently upon its bristled fur, was rubbing behind its ear to calm it. So after hearing it and copying it, can I use secret signs to try to understand what she's doing? Uh, well, she's well, I just explained what she's doing. So well, yes, okay, but like what, yes. what she's actually saying. Well, clearly it's some sort of strange incantation. She's yeah. trying to literally calm the beast as she's telling it to to in in, in her words like to return to the forest, return to your home, return to the burrow where everything is no longer. She's chanting some illiterative po- poem that you don't recognize at all, but but it's in a tongue that you can you understand some of the words, but not all of them. <laughs> it seems to be the same tongue that you heard called among the Pictish when they first arrived uh, from the forest. Elise is going to call over the one that spoke in the common, then. Ohachi? <laughs> the man's eyes flash before you. They are brown brown within brown dark and his hair is long and it is kind of it is kind of gathered in these thick knots and this of, of dreadlocks and you can see that there are bits of their beads and feathers kind of put within his great mane of hair that kind of comes over his shoulders and he's short and lean and and looks like a runner he has the he has the build of a swimmer beneath all the hides that he's wearing and he's wearing what looks like boots that would have been perhaps cobbled in stone. He's wearing the trappings of the Aldish, although it's intermingled with his own tribal attire. And he kind of narrows his eyes and says, I don't think that we've... I don't think that I know you. Are you from Stowe? He says. No. Your friend Peter told us of you. Hmm. Maybe not. Worry not. He said. He says... Worry not for the for the for the strange wife as he as he as he puts his hand as he urges his fingers toward the woman. The strange wife will calm the beast. I assume that's Dawn Daughter then. No. Oh. You know the delegate? I don't. Once again, your friend Peter speaks a lot of you. Quite highly, actually. He and the three picks that are with him begin to approach and they're not looking like they're they're kind of approaching in any to, to in a means to hurt anyone but just being in their presence this close never having seen the pictish and knowing the stories that you all know of like incredibly violent and quote primitive people you all must make a challenging resolve test to withstand fear Two misfortune right Ten success. Okay, so who failed? <laughs> well, you're kind of in a bad In between, you, in in between Eugene's screams and pain and anguish, uh, uh, he will suffer 
you will suffer 13 mental peril and 6 corruption as you are deeply afraid of these people. Perhaps it's because there's blood in your eyes and you're just panicking and nobody's approached to help you up yet. But you see these 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 people these 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 people the Picti in the wood as they're called in the stories among the the Eridane, like approaching and speaking the tongue of of where you're from the tongue of men. Hamish Hop comes over and starts to kind of help you as he's trying to pull you up, and you look down and you realize that he's been he's been it's, it's or born rather. Warren, he's been hurt. He's he's grievously wounded. He suffered a, an injury that his leg is being crushed by this beast. Warren, I don't want to lose the leg. I give, I give, I administer a tincture. Okay. He gives you a tincture. You gain one corruption, oh but you may ignore your injury for 24 hours. He pulls you to your feet, and you, you limp a bit, and you can see that your leg is still in really bad shape. You can see bits of bone splinter shoved up from your thigh, but the tincture will allow you to ignore the pain. It's like morphine. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. figured. You're well, kind of at this point. You're kind of in a, in a serious daze. We'll have to get you back to the ship so I can perform surgery. You better do so quickly. I don't want to lose the leg. Right. I won't we'll be able to do any any real help with it. Gone. We'll set you right. Be appreciative. Not so sorry. I got blood on your trousers. <laughs> Least of our worries. You did everything right. Yeah. Yeah, I think I did. You, you should know you did. Oh, you tell that farmer he owes me one. I will. <laughs> I'm going to make my way towards the horse. What's that? I'm going to make my way towards the horse. Okay. I mean, unless, <clears throat> unless the missus has anything that can help. She have any clean clothes, clean water, anything? Do surgery here. All I know is something that bad's got to get taken care of quick. I'm uh, gonna sheath my sword, but I'm not putting the shield away. Okay. And uh, uh, I'm gonna come forward to um, now. The the woman is still talking to the boar, right? She is still kind of over it. Yeah, she's still kind of over it. Ignore the battlefield for a minute. Yeah, I know it's hard to right. do, but ignore this. Right. Um, they, at this point, they, they, uh, she is still standing over the, the, the great boar on the ground. Well, yeah, um, and she is trying to, to calm it with her words. And you can see that um, Elisa is listening inquisitively as she's trying to make sense of exactly what she's saying. But the, even though the words sound familiar to you, Elisa, they are intermingled and peppered with strange words that you can't quite make out. They almost seem like incantations. They seem odd and unworldly. Otherworldly, I should say. So I'm gonna go to the uh, uh, the man that she was talking to. Ohachi. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna say uh, hello. And I'm gonna reach out my hands like I don't know if it's appropriate. He you give that look like. Huh? He looks down toward your hand. He clearly recognizes what you're trying to do, but you can see his eyes kind of narrow as if he's as if he was sizing you up, and he says. Do you worship the bloodied god? The woman. 
bloody woman. Amata? Is she your god? We, we have three. Your people took my people and have hung them from the windmill. don't know anything about that. We're trying to figure it out. We're not from stone. He looks toward you. Do you wear anything red? Uh, it might be stained red, but no. Um, it's uh, uh, I don't know the house colors of the forester, actually. I think they're black. I'm sure there'd be some red in there for fire. Mm. <laughs> Maybe orange. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wear... I, I can't tell you. I wear the house colors. Of he Florida. points toward your neck where your holy symbol is. Show me. I show it to him. You were not with. Them. You were not with them. But you're clearly not from Stowe either. Do you mean oh, the crimson? The, the crim- No, we're not with them. God's no. No. The red revenant. Yeah, is we're what not. Another man behind him yeah. says the red revenant. No, we're not with them. Crimson raiders. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no. No. No, we're Dufresne. Yeah. I'd rather not come across them. Ever. I apologize, Devin. No. Uh, my name's Tewin. Tewin Forrester. Mm. I'm Ohachi. These are woodwalkers. Mm. We are from, we are the tribe from the woods. Uh, and uh, I missed out on that conversation yeah. there. Oh, yeah, we, we've... We've heard about you. Uh, we heard about you from a man named Peter. Traitor, yes. Yes. Um, well, he's, he's quite smitten. He doesn't quite understand the word you use. I, he kind of cocks his head to the side. He speaks highly of you. Much respect for you. Yeah. He has. Mm. Friend. The man nods. He knows that their faces have no hair on them whatsoever. Like, you can imagine, like, in the storybooks that speak to the Picty in the woods, or the elves, as they are sometimes called, these men resemble that, although their ears are not pointy. They do not look like they live a thousand years, but their, their skin is weathered uh, from, from the sun, blistered from the wind. Although they have, they have very sharp, angular features in their, in their uh, cheekbones, uh, and very dark, kind of enchanting eyes and dark hair. They do not resemble the elves that you have read about in, in, the, in the storybooks by any uh, so I appreciate you yelling out during the middle of it because if you hadn't we might have been out further and we might have heard it. Is it, is it like is it a pet? He pet? Um, we've been tracking we've been tracking uh, Laporte Rouge through the forest for days it's been screaming in anguish. The strange wise let us hear. Report Ruse. Um, well, uh, what is the animal to you? It's nothing to us but to the forest. It is a god of the forest, a god of the wood. The strange wives serve ones like him. So, so he was just fighting the god? I believe it. Yeah, I believe that too. I'm glad we didn't take it any further. Did you hear him thundering through the forest? Did you hear his screams of anguish? 
earlier this morning we did. Mm-hmm. He was hurt by the fires of the pale face in Stowe. And so, you said fires of the pale face, you mean like us? He nods. Do you know who started the fire? Because we didn't start the fire. It was always burning. burning. (laughs) 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 You know, the fires came from out in the wood. It came from a hut. It came from... Neil. Him, yes. That one. Is he dead? Do you know? The Ald? No. He is not dead. Where is he? We do not have him. Do the Crimson have him? The Red Men? Red 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 Men? Clothing people. No. Hmm. Can you tell uh, your singer, um, your chanter, can you tell her I'm sorry if I was copying her? I was just trying to help. (laughs) She does not speak the tongue of words. There's a way to apologize. And it's just... She will know your mind, he says. That's nice. Well, we do not have the Ald, but we know who does. Who? Bloodleaf. What is the Bloodleaf? A young woman of Pictish. She is the one who's been raiding the farmsteads, taking your sheep. She took Emil? And others. Is this another group, then? Not not your group. There's other groups of, of pigs here. There are many pigs here, yes. But there are two. There is us, the delegate. And then there is Bloodleaf. <laughs> Forgive me, I do not know the ways of diplomacy but our delicate the dawn speaker does perhaps we could speak with her regarding how to best handle the situation he considers for a moment he strokes his chin and he turns to either pictures of me and exchanging words back and forth and you hear the words delicate dawn speaker blood leaf one of them kind of hisses when the name is mentioned Clearly, do not do not approve of Bloodleaf. I'll go ahead and put my shield away. <clears throat> While they're speaking, Elise is going to see if she can find her arrow that she has. Those arrows are broken. Yeah. yeah. Technically, you have a fifty-two percent chance to fight. Nope. <laughs> it's okay. I only shot two. Well, it is the consensus that we could speak with her, or trade information with her. Well, the woodwalkers agree it would be good to bring you before the delegate. But given that your people started the fires in the forest, they do not trust to take you there to where you can follow the paths once again. Blindfold us. I think we'd like to look at that shack that uh, caused the fire to see what we could suss from that first. Perhaps she she meet us there. Wait, 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 wait. How do you recommend that? We, we... One of them approaches Ohachi and kind of whispers in his ear. He kind of 
He speaks, and you can see his teeth have been filed into into sharp fangs. (laughs) We will take your weapons, and we'll take you there. But you will be blindfolded. Your animals must remain behind. I mean... Could we do this in another day so that we can take care of our friend here? He is badly wounded. At this point, I'm pulling my belt off to tourniquet my leg. <laughs> the dawn speaker can, t- can treat your wounds, treat your injury. Mm-hmm. Then all the more reason we should go there. Can we bring just the horse then? No I would animals. not like to walk. No animals, one of the men says. They can smell their way back. They will know the trail. <sighs> Ohachi kind of puts his hand out, calming one of the Pictish people who clearly speak your tongue. I'd like to just take a moment to try and put this in your your all's mind that if a group of Pictish came to Durandal and was in the middle of Durandal, don't you think we'd be acting the same? The delegate has been to Durendal, Ohachi says. She speaks with your... Your speaker. The woman of the golden crown. Yeah, but I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not the delegate for Durendal. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an ordinary person. I'm trying to explain it to them that, yeah, this, Mm. this, I mean, this may be one of the first times I actually agree to giving up your weapon. I'm fine with giving up a weapon. You need to now. You it's need the horse I want to keep. I never wanted to keep Matthew around so bad. Well, we'll carry you. Oh, well, that would be lovely. You can walk just fine. Oh, thanks. You can lean Warren, on me. Warren, I take back all the nice things I said about you. You can <laughs> lean on me. When you're not strong, it's fine. I'll be my man. I that I got a leg up on you. Yeah. Um... So, yep. uh, I'll let me make an arrangement to leave the the horse here with the farmer. We can take we can take you and put a delicate. Ohachi says that's probably best. All right. We can leave our weapons here then. With real um, I think he would. Well, I believe they I'm, said they would take care of them for us. Yeah, and should the Red Revenant somehow come through when we're there, it'd be good to have our weapons with us. Mm. That's true. Well, at least Matthew can stay in there. Yeah, so I would much rather go with the weapons, even if we're not holding them. I'm not much use with a weapon, we've seen, so I'm not the best judge of this. You're just fine. You do just fine with a weapon for us, guy. Looks at Ohachi, sees if he can figure out what that word means. What word? <laughs> Spy. He doesn't seem to understand. You're speaking too fast for him to really kind of collect what you're saying. <laughs> right. Well, still, then uh, I suppose we hand them these. And Elisa takes her hunting bow off. As well as her <laughs> basic, yeah, Miss Lard. I was like, "What's up, Basilard? Everybody, mm-hmm. give up all their weapons? 
Yes. Yeah, I'm not going to hold out. Yeah. <clears throat> Any of you want to hold out? I'm tempted, because I don't think they know what a gun is, but... Sure. I'll mm -hmm. hand it over. And the, the, the wand to them, they take it gingerly with both hands and they wrap it quickly inside one of the uh, one of the um, hides that they have and begin placing your weapons in their packs. The... We will, uh... Yes. Bohachi kind of motions with his hands over his face. It's almost like he's... It's almost like they are kind of... When they speak, they speak they gesticulate with their hands a lot and their fingers move in different ways too especially when Ohachi speaks when he talks to the others their speech is not necessarily words but they're kind of exchanging hand symbols between one another are we ready? yes Yeah, we need to get you out fast when the sun sets we'll, we'll be back to my kith he says. Here of the day, mate. Yeah. Well, Will you help us to get back to here so that we can get back to our own place after? You'll see what the Dawn Daughter says. Oh, Alright with it. Dawn Daughter's probably closer than the ship. Probably. It'll be hard to say. Yeah, I think we're ready. They will uh, tear bits of cloth from themselves and wrap them around your eyes. And they will proceed to lead you into the forest. And the forest, you're, you can hear the ash sifting behind your feet. And you hear the great lumbering of the boar as it breathes very heavily. And it winces in pain and squeals like a pig every once in a while and from probably the wound it was given upon its hindquarter. Um, but uh, <clears throat> you know that uh, as they walk, they're literally almost soundlessly. Like there are no words spoken between the Pictish unless you choose to say something to them. Nah, I'm going to just focus on trying to make sure that I don't trip. <laughs> they are they are they are leading you by hand and by shoulder. They will they will help you as they, they will you know Ohachi will say in some words like step down, walk softly. You know. Elisa will ask, uh, what's the protocol for meeting? He, I don't understand what you're saying. Do you, do we bow? We call her something specifically. She's the dawn daughter. She's our delegate. Right, um, How do you treat delegates where you are from? Well, typically, we, we bow and we give them gifts and such. But we have no gifts to give. I have one. Oh? Oh, well. I take that statement back. It is not often that uh, your kind are allowed into the wood, but... Given the circumstance, I think Don Daughter will know what to do best. Watch your step, he says. We're going to walk across water now. Is there anything we should not say or speak of in front of her as an honor or courtesy? Why did you ask such a question? Are you intending not to tell the truth? I am not, but I am a person that believes that should you meet someone of high standing, you make sure that you 
are doing things that make them comfortable. The Don Daughter speaks freely to even the chil- to both the children and the adults among our kith equally. Right. Uh, make no mistake, I, I have no problem with not with telling her everything. But sometimes that's not how it's done for us. You can feel or you could hear your boots clacking up on a wooden bridge as you're walking over it, and you could hear the running of water and it's dark out. The taste of ash is still in your cotton your throats and nostrils, but um, it does not seem to be as choking here. As you're as you kind of come about maybe an hour and a half or so, you've been walking blindly through the forest and you've been limping, of course, on your tinctured leg. Uh, <clears throat> you come to a stop and you can feel the presence of others. Um, and when your blindfolds are removed, you're standing in front of what looks like a very still pool of water, and it's dark out. Uh, it's like a pond, and reflected upon the pond are the stars above. There's this massive open glade where these trees seem to surround this pond in almost a perfect kind of half, uh, half crescent circle. And across the pond, you can see a large bonfire. Uh, where you can see shape standing. You can remove your remove your your blindfolds now. It's too dangerous to walk without being able to see where you're at. One of them strikes a torch. In the darkness, the the Pictish look even perhaps more menacing. Like this is when you see the pictures and stories and penny dreadfuls about the Picti in the woods or the elves. They look like that with with what would be horns or pointed ears, but none of them have these, but in the dark and the fleeting shadows and the changing of the light, you can see what would evoke that imagery as you can see them in the dark. Did they have torches when they were leading us through or whatever? Like, could we tell through our blindfolds if they had any source of light? When it became dark, yes. They did, okay. They cannot see in the dark, unlike the stories that you have read. (laughs) The pixie in the wood. And they're not painted blue like you would expect them to be either. Not painted in woad whatsoever. And they are... About a head shorter than the Aridane among you. They stand about 5'6, five, 5'8. Five, Built a very, very lithe builds and wearing hides, dressed for the, the wood, of course, or dressed for the season, of course. As you begin to kind of cross around this low marsh around the pond, you kind of walk up on these flat stones across the pond directly. As you have walk across the water upon these wet stones. And you emerge into this Pictish camp. And you can see that there are a number of men, women, and children, uh, not necessarily all who are wearing headdresses or painted as the others were, but they are certainly dressed for warmth, as you can see. These uh, Some darker skin, some reddish skin, some paler skinned uh, Pictish people with their children you know, near the fire. Um, <clears throat> you can see that they've erected these very tall, um, kind of conical-looking tents uh, with these huge stakes spiking toward the sky, and they're very, very large, easily holding 20 or more people inside. Um, <clears throat> and you can see that some are preparing paint inside wooden bowls. Others are filleting fish. They're pretty much preparing for their evening meal. And you can see trappings that you would find in stow. You see bits and bridles for their horses. You see that they have 
a few um, matchlock rifles among them. You can see that they have gleaming steel swords. Like, they actually are armed with the accoutrements and trappings of those from the west of the Aldish. They do not carry primitive wooden spears or harden the fire or stone-headed arrows that you would expect to find as you'd read in the books or, you know, primitive-looking paintings on the outsides of their large tents. Instead, the tents are painted with these very clear symbols um, that seem to almost evoke the imagery you've seen in the Libra before, the Holy Libra. They are not barbarians or primitive in the sense that you would expect them to be whatsoever. They're not walking around barefoot. They're not wearing moccasins or have mm. beads around their neck or anything like that. Um, they have an almost kind of, they look almost like gothic people. They kind of have that look about them. Their skin is much darker and ruddier and they grow no facial hair whatsoever. Their eyes are all brown within brown. Just brown eyes. Or black for that matter. Across the way, across the pond, there's kind of a, the, the Pictish kind of <clears throat> Ohachi approaches and speaks to a couple of people and they kind of spread throughout the camp and that's when the remainder of the Pictish kith begin to kind of withdraw. They would draw into the tents or stand behind trees and watch um, as this collection of women approach and at their apex uh, is this woman wearing these long robes, clearly of Durindal. Um, they clearly were not made here, but they're kind of intermingled with this uh, this kind of breastplate of uh, bone and wood that's been sewn together in part of, as part of her gown, and her hair is drawn back in a in a in a Durindalese castanet and gleams in the moonlight. And she, although she appears to be picked, as she's wearing like she was like she came from Durindal. She looks like she came from Durindal the way she is dressed. She turns to her the collection of women near her, and she begins to speak with her hands to them. Her, their words do not move, but as she speaks, and as she speaks, their eyes widen. As they, if you've noticed this, kind of when, when they begin to speak, their eyes open wide, and they kind of look toward one another, look between their eyes and their hands to read emotion and to read words. And when they stop talking, their eyes narrow once again. <clears throat> the woman turns toward all of you, and she said, and she kind of looks toward you quizzically for a moment. You're the one who pledged yourself before the Baroness's throne. She says with a slight Durandalese accent. You pledged yourself before the throne of the Baroness. Yes, I did. Forgive me, I do not recall your name. Harper Clavenger of the Dufresne. I am, I am Dawn Daughter, as I am known among my clan. Or among my kith, she says. I am a delegate to the east, and I am a delegate to the west. It's a great honor to meet you. She's all like, bow. <laughs> that is not necessary here. She gives us polite smile. Not necessarily if she means to be friendly, but like a polite smile. Mm -hmm. It's clear that uh, she has spent time among the, the courts of the Aridane and the, and the Ravanians, but uh, there's clearly a lot of her own self still there. <clears throat> I should say, perhaps we should introduce one another. If you would sit at our fire, we can talk. That would be lovely. Our friend here could use some uh, help. His leg was mightily injured. Yes. We, uh, 
a god of your forest, apparently. And I somewhat awkwardly bow at her. And then I pull out of my pack a uh, blue Pictish talisman. Give it to her as a gift. Your hospitality. Where did you find this? Uh, Something from Peter's collection. He said it would be appropriate to to give us a gift. This is a this is a mighty gift indeed. This is a vizier stone. One to hold it toward the mirror, toward Mandos at night. One can peer within one's within other souls. This has been lost to us for years. Well, it seems appropriate that you would give us fire and space and I was told perhaps even assist me with my leg. This seems such a small trinket that I can turn over to you. There's another rightly with your people. There's another woman that is standing beside her and she turns toward her and nods and she quickly kind of flashes a sign with her hands and she kind of wanders off really quickly at a pretty brisk speed. Please sit yeah. as, as you can. And they, so she'll help you sit down in a nearby, a nearby stone outcropping. These stone outcroppings seem to be fitted for where these people would sit around this great fire. The fire is burning hot and large. As this is happening, snow begins to fall. It's dark out in the skies. You can see stars here and there, but snow is falling overhead. These small, tiny, twinkling snowflakes. They will bring someone to you to provide unguents and salves, and they will, they will uh, attend to Eugene uh, as this conversation continues. You'll still be here; they'll be treating you here so you can participate. But they're going to be doing some healing, feeling on you as hey. this is happening. I, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm surprised to see you so far from Durendal. I would not expect to find anyone from the Baroness's court here. She turns to Harper, as if perhaps he, she is the one that she only recognizes. Well, we were on our way back to Durindal from uh, Kill Landing or Kiltirian. Kiltirian. And the Bridge City, yes. Yes, we're going back by means of the Axe Water, <clears throat> and mm-hmm. well, we took some time in stow because we had. Uh, Taking on some water with our ship, so we're it's getting repaired. Mm. And we heard of the plight of the people here in the forest fire. Yes. So we thought we would do what we could to help. I see. Well, you have inadvertently stumbled into a um, terrible time in the forest for the people of Stowe. The people of Stowe to the fire about two weeks ago. It burned half of our forest. It has divided our people, and or divided our kith, she says. And um, it has also brought great harm to the, the elders that dwell in the forest. We heard it's been causing much suffering on all sides as the people of Stowe, their, their granary that held their food stores for the winter, has burned, so we were going to investigate this um, Mr. Frost, or Frosh, and uh, 
see what we could find out, but we were unable to get to the, the cabin that exploded before encountering these people. Mm. It's in the Port Blow Rouge. She nods. We know that the people of Stowe were responsible for the fire. It originated in the wood, not far from here, about an hour. Mm. We think we are, we are for certain it was from the hut. This Enel Frosh you speak of. We don't know him by name, but others of our kith have broken away and captured him. We heard. What might we be able to do to recover him? As we would like to ask him a great deal. Mm. I understand why you wish to speak with this person, but he is not among our camp. He is a prisoner to a war dervish named Bloodleaf. Mm. We were informed that. Uh, Bloodleaf had him, um, but we were told to seek counsel with you on the best way to approach them. As we do not generally try to, as much as possible, resort to violence. Seems to find us in lot of doubt. But if that is what happens, and we are willing and able to protect ourselves. we would like to bring this to some sort of peaceful conclusion if possible when it comes to the Eridane and to the Pictish there can there has been little peace what we have sussed here in Stowe has been a, a godsend and the treaty we are working with the Baroness on I hope will bring a greater peace place you call Rovain Girdle. Right. But I do not wish to risk any more of my kith's life to see this to its end. I cannot simply take you to Bloodleaf. Not without something in return. I do not know what greater gifts we can provide you or services we could render. There is no greater gift than the life that the Mother Above has granted us. The lives of the Pictish are far more important than trinkets and gold. It is one of the things that we have worked on with the Baroness to convince her of, that uh, while she would seek for us to lavish her with gifts to enact this treaty, we instead uh, have requested that uh, several captives uh, who have been kept in Durendal be released. Hmm. I know that you cannot do anything about that. Well, but there are Pictish captives inside of the stone held by these men who worship the Red Revenant. We heard a bit about them. The Crimson Raiders, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you are referring to Commander Graf's Redrick and his Crimson Marauders. Yeah, yes. Yes. Marauders. 
I don't know what they call themselves, but we have seen their the bloodied women around their neck. The symbol. They have a reputation even amongst our time of being very uh, ruthless. What? And Why do they pursue you? What do they believe you've done? Some lord to the west who lives beyond the forest saw fit to enact vengeance against the Pictish for setting the fires, but we are not the ones who did so. It was the people of Stowe. It was this man that Bloodleaf has captured. You don't wish to risk any more lives, thus we have not inquired with Bloodleaf on what the next step is. She is young and she is dangerous. She is a war dervish and she is unhinged. I don't know what that's like. The same is to be said for your men of the Red Revenant. They wish they they would they seek to murder a woman and wear them about their neck. Dylan, I'm noticing a theme with her group. You just seem to love dealing with female fanatics. First Evangeline, now Bloodleaf. I don't see whoever the male or female has to do with it. I'm just saying you've got a theme going. I think you're a little drugged up there, but okay. I reckon half the people are women, half of them are male. What difference does it make? Yeah. You see, fanaticism can, can lead us into danger sometimes. By the way, my name's Tailwind Forrester. Uh, wasn't able to be introduced. I'm from. Uh, I'm a Vanyan as well. Not everything. That means something. She nods. If we so, thought you to be a danger, you would not have been, If we thought you to be a danger that I could not be put down, we wouldn't have brought you to the camp. Well, you've got us uh, <laughs> dead right, so. You can see people in the shadows watching this exchange. Yeah. And you've kind of maybe 50, 60 Pictish here total, yeah. including children and the women. So these. Crimson men. What have they taken? How many? We know of three. We don't know if they're alive or dead. So, if we can maybe see about getting your, your people back, maybe that would help to broker peace. I don't know about brokering peace, she says. If you do this, I will take you to Bloodleaf. My next question. The the relationship between Stone and the Pictish has been sundered. The actions of this emil you speak of is that responsibility is carried by his people. As it would be the same for us. That is our values. The relationship is sundered. There will be no peace. Can take you to Bloodleaf if you bring our people back. There are three Woodwalkers that were captured not too long back, captured by these men who worship the Red Revenant. Bring them back, and I will take you to Bloodleaf. If the worst has happened and they are no longer alive, do you still wish us to bring back their bodies? They will molest the bodies and will not bury them in a. In the, in the fashion which has befitted our people. 
if they have succumbed to injury, mother willing, it does not happen. Right. <clears throat> bring their bring the bring back their mortal husks, and we may we may raise them to the sky to the demiurge. Excuse me. His name is Warren Rhodes. I didn't introduce myself. But, uh, way I figured, them Crimson Marauders, they think that the old pick just did this, this burning. So, if we can make our ways up to that, uh, that old hut, maybe we can find some sort of clue, evidence that proves that it wasn't you that did it. If we could bring that back to the Crimson Marauders, perhaps that'd convince them. Idea. There's nothing left, he says. Nothing she at says, all. There is a literal hole in the ground, and the glade has been tainted. May I ask you something? What you might know of this, and I'm gonna pull from my pack the dirt that was tainted and wrapped up. Does this mean anything to you? That that the earth that earth has been tainted. Do you know by what? fire. Was there something in the fire? We noticed a large amount of glass surrounding the, the granary. Many spirits were drawn forth from the other world in the flame. Other world? Do you see how violently the fire had spread? Do you see how quickly our forest burnt? Now the earth will never grow again. It has been salted and tainted. Has been corrupted. Never known fire to do that. I thought something might have caused some sort of acceleration. Usually, most animals are able to escape a fire of a forest, and we saw many burned. I still would like to see it in case there's something that we may know or see that you may not have known or seen. She speaks to the woman beside her and they share some hand exchange for a moment. This hut you speak of is close to the tainted dale. If you go there, you will risk Bloodleaf's wrath and she will not mince words. She will meet your words with swords and stones, swords and arrows. So she... War differences are not ones for diplomacy. They are not painted red, but they are, they are not painted... They're not painted, uh, they're, they're, sorry, they are painted people. Well, they're war dervishes. If we, if we can't, uh, we can't get no evidence, what do you think? What do you think, Terwin? Maybe we can get your affidavit saying that you didn't do it. We can take it for the elders of Stowe and then they can parlay with the Crimson Raid Marauders. I don't think we need an affidavit for that, but what they've told us, a hole in the earth where a hut used to be, that's pretty compelling. Everyone's heard explosions. We know that the source of the fire was the hut. Or even a whole, uh, Getting the family that had the house on the Muller. Mullers. Even the Mullers said it was there. We can get the Mullers to say that if we need to. I guess that's the best.
best we can do. Yeah. Hopefully it's enough. Enough for what? Enough I told to, you there will be no peace. Enough to convince him to let it, let your people free. That's what I mean. If we can, if we can convince them that the fire started from the hut, which the man at the the house that you met, well, that your people met us at, he can he can say that too. True. Uh, old man Muller, he said that. Uh, the first explosion was near Emil's hut. And then the second was at his granary. If you think that will convince the people of Stowe, certainly. Right. But well, do you think it will convince these people who worship the Red Revenant? We're trying to get Stowe's hearts and minds behind the first, and then maybe uh, people of Stowe can help us talk to the, to the, the Crimson. To be frank, they all seem scared shitless by those crimson bushes as well. So do you think that even if we were to somehow convince the town that somehow that they would be able to talk these men out of prisoners or out of this hatred that they have? It doesn't hurt us to try and talk it out. Right. It might. If they've got prisoners and these men are bloodthirsty. I'm not saying that it's not necessarily the a good idea to try to get Stowe to understand that this was not their fault, but I've got a couple of this other is times. <laughs> I've got a couple of other ideas, but I wouldn't want to waste um, your time. But we, how we can handle the the people in red? Where are they? Do you know? Stowe, she says. Just inside the town, they don't have a, a camp particularly outside. She, she shrugs. We have not been tracking their movements. We know I, they're in stowe. I believe the river warden said that they were just shortly outside town on the edges, the fringes. We can find them. If they'd been tracking around here, it's possible we might have had the chance to find them outside of stowe. That's all. Alright, we can find them. We can. Well, I hope we can free your people for you. Do not hope. Do or do not. We will do. We will see what happens from that. I appreciate you taking us in. I appreciate you seeing through. Oh man, if it wasn't for him, the boys would be dead. Many lives have been lost already. We must not spill any more blood. But the Pictish, the kith has suffered great losses and our forest has been destroyed. The echoes of this great calamity will be heard for years and will be waged upon the people of the West. Bloodleaf knows no bounds. Well, there goes our chance of improving for the Gross Setters, Sir Warren. So you believe that there will be no way to convince them of peace between the folk and the people in Stowe? Could a, a penance be paid if it's ousted that the truth was not your fault? A 
Penance, she says. Recompense some sort of fee. We've spoken before that riches and gold have no meaning to us. Lives are more important, and lives have been lost. And not just the lives of the Pictish and of my kith, but the lives of this forest, and the animals, and the creatures, and the elders mm-hmm. that have been slaughtered by the fire. There will be no... There will be... Stowe's relationship with the Pictish is over. Bloodleaf is gathering more and more among my kith as we speak. She brings more to her side who want to enact revenge. Might you know how many she has behind her now? Many more than are here in this camp. It has not taken long for her to, to stoke their hearts to fill them with anger. Yeah. And it is not surprising. I, too, have considered this and have not entirely ruled it out either. As a leader, you are bound to do what you believe is best for your people. I can understand that. Well, we have nothing more to be gained here. Appreciate the information. Not about the current subject now. No. It is night. And uh, do you do you think that we could remain here for the night? No. I'll have a Hachi take you back to this farmer's house. The Hachi and his in his uh, collective will be nearby. So when you return, or she says, sorry, let me correct that. Return to the farmhouse in three days. You have three days to see this done. We will do our best. If it is not, if it is not, then we will simply assume that you have failed. And we cannot promise that Stowe will not face the wrath of the wood. I understand. She speaks with Don Daughter for a moment and they speak with their hands and their eyes widen as they kind of begin talking once again, but they're still they're in their own language. And um, <clears throat> Ohachi will nod and say, Grim business. Indeed. Uh, blindfold you again. Can we roll for my life? Uh, in fact, no, because. The Ohachi, the one who was treating you, says, You have taken a tincture of opium. You can walk. Yes. There is nothing that we have the capabilities here to treat you with. Our, our animal mender was slain in the fire. Ah. Well, it's up to me then. Appreciate it. Oh, it's going to be a long night. Ohachi will take you as far as he can to get you out of the camps and unblindfold you, and he will say, head east about a half hour, and you will find the farm. I'll ask him, this is the way? This is the way. <laughs> 
dark, it's night, and you're kind of let the, the pictish kind of bleed away into the remnants of the wood from where you came. Get a your, torch. As you were. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Can we get our stuff back in there? Yeah. Well, you're not at the farmstead yet as of now. Whatever you have carry, carry with you is not a weapon you have. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I thought they brought the weapon with them. I'm sorry, that's correct, yes. They, you turn, they turn everything else over to okay. you, yes. Okay, yeah. If they're letting us go, I was like... It's uh, not far from here, just over that hill. Right. You realize you're back in the in the, the ravaged forest. It's all it's all ash on the ground, and uh, there are uh, the leafless trees and splinters of wood striking toward the nighttime sky. Snow is falling, but it seems to be intermingled with the ash that seems to linger in the air. Back to Stowe. Oh, it yeah, could that's... board the boat and have that mm-hmm. cleaner conditions. Let's do that. I prefer. Okay. I prefer that. And I, could, I would have time to take my time. Uh, you would. And remember, uh, it is one hour to perform surgery, mm-hmm. and that would be three hours to perform surgery. So it was going to be a long night. You need a bandage, opium, and surgical tools. All right. Not at all. Okay. You are in on the boat. You are in relatively clean conditions. And you're going to take your time, so it would be an easy heal test. Oh, sure. Now you take your time on a leg injury. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I certainly do. It's going to be 84% chance to succeed. Okay. 99. <laughs> I rolled a 95, so I'll roll. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, no. <laughs> Let's see. Do you get to keep your leg? It's a 70. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The good thing is, is that you will now begin recuperation, but until you're fully recuperated, you cannot move. Recuperation for your injury. We'll take 3d10 plus 3 days. Fifteen days before you can walk again on your own. That's less than your injury with Koenig on a on a serious injury. <laughs> we uh, can we get crushed? by two days? <laughs> I think this is a good point to stop for yeah. the night. We will resume <laughs> next week yeah. with Queen of Embers, a perilous end. Yeah. Fortunately, we lost our leg. I had to spin but, a fate point. Do we want our own corruption? We will in just a few moments off camera. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for joining. Actually, we're all corruption right now. Why not? We should probably do it on camera. D10. Yeah, D10. We have four, four corruption around the table. Seven. Zero. Two. What? Zero. <laughs> you need to roll one, Dan. I got one. Roll one. Corruption roll for tonight is. Let's bring it down to the mini cam. Here we go, right? What's it going to be tonight? A two. Oh, Wait, okay, so I had close. a two. Does that mean I, I, I'm Me? corrupted? Yes, you are. Yep. It's a chaos rank. I got a fate point. Yay! <laughs> what? Reset your, your tracks. Wow, that's good. How many fate points do you have now? Four. I'll Jeez. give it time. <laughs> all right, we will see you all next week at Queen of Embers. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for your patronage. Bye-bye. We'll have more show next Bye. week. Or Eugene. It's rough. It's rough. It's rough. Rough. Yeah. Yeah. Donkey. <laughs> All right. See you all next week. Bye. 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 B